Thank you for joining the ESBC Betting and Financial Podcast, which the purpose of the podcast is to make me money. Uh, this is real talk, no hypocrisy. We're not like these uh, football players, athletes who say they do things because they want to be in line with the universe and they want to be closer to their families and a bunch of other lies and gaslighting. We tell you the truth. This podcast is to make me money. The second purpose of the podcast is to make you money, teaching you tools to combat income inequality and financial illiteracy, using sports betting as a mechanism, as a tool for you to learn that, and you can make an income for yourself, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, and prosper in the richest country in the history of mankind, all right? So every business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. We outlined the purpose, right? And so the outcome has been that uh, we finished on a 46-5 and five run college basketball, uh, pro football, where we're 63%. And why is that important? Because break-even is 52.5%. So our older podcasts are just as valuable or even more valuable than the current ones because you're not worried about the outcome. You're learning the whys, the whys, right? And uh, on this podcast today, we are going to preview Big Ten football, big announcement today, they're only playing conference games. So that makes it easier for us to make money. And you don't wait last minute when you're at the window to figure out who you're going to bet. The first Big 12 game is probably going to be September the 4th. And here we are months before breaking that down in the comfort of our own homes where we out, we're out of the amygdala brain, right? The amygdala brain is the crisis portion of your brain that deals on impulse, emotion. We're taking all the emotion out of it. We're using the other side of our brain to figure out using decision science, using fundamental analysis, using technical analysis, as the same way you pick a stock, you pick an investment. I'm helping these four guys go in a strip mall that's worth $30 million and they all hate each other. And I'm teaching them decision science, right? So the same way I'm helping those guys, the same way I pick a game. That's why for the last 11 years, my wife Anna has only bought gasoline out of betting money. Again, it, Readers that you had the other day, she's like, I like looking at the Bitcoin card of money because if you're going to cheat on me and you're going to use money, it's going to be the Bitcoin card. So I got to look at it, right? So $28,000 in 2011, gasoline from the betting money. Uh, she just bought a $300 purse and it had to be from the betting money. She didn't want to use savings or checking or anything. She likes using the betting money. Now, just because I've had that success over the last 12 years does not mean then I'm going to have success in the future. So if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So I'm bringing two guys that are a lot smarter than me. Uh, one trait these guys share in common is a trait of all intelligent people. 
These are all very, very cynical contrarians that we're bringing out here. We got first the PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of these guys, uh, when we met, we all started arguing, but we're all family, right? Because we're just trying to get to the truth. That's why you know somebody's kissing your ass when they agree with you all the time, right? So we got the PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles, Brandon First, uh, who argued with me about double-digit dogs in the division, but 95% of people can't change, but he could. At the end of the year, he was cashing double-digit dogs like crazy. And we also have Greg Wolf from the Wolf Line. He's usually on Tuesday as we break down the nuances of how to connect the financial world to the sports betting world and monetize it. So we all ask these guys, how are you doing? How are you doing, Brandon, first? Very good, very good. It's another day, uh, finished up opening day, made some money. Um at the track a little different than normal, but uh, that's how we're, how we're living this year. But really excited to get into the Big Ten. I think it's a really good conference. And with only conference games, like you said, I think um, it's, uh, there's definitely value out there. Absolutely. And Greg Wolf from the Wolf Line, how are you doing? I'm doing as I always am, Josh. I'm hanging and banging. Telling people the truth that they hate hearing because that's right. what I was Earth is due. Nice, nice. So you're going to lead us off, Brandon, first going through each team or like we did last week? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, man. So, so, so we're going to go alphabetical thing, order? Yep, alphabetical order. Um, or at least according to Athlon, I think their alphabet's a little messed up. But it's all good. We will move up. Uh, we'll start with the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, obviously, this is one of those basketball schools who likes to play football every once in a while. Had an okay year last year. Um, I mean, for them, you know, winning eight games, that's borderline um, craziness for them. So that's good. Uh, apparently, this is a situation where they have the probably the most talent they've ever had, or at least in recent memory. Um, the thing that is, is tough for me to see how this team can be successful in this conference is how, how bad they are running the football. I mean, this is the Big Ten. You need to have the big, big boys up front, uh, big corn Fred boys, and they just either don't have that or don't have a system to take advantage of that. And that obviously has to change. They do have um, a returning quarterback in uh, Michael Phoenix or Phoenix Jr., who last year split time was kind of more of the uh, wildcat or the the um, scrambler of the group. He it's all on him now. So if he can stay healthy keep things together. Uh, Indiana might win. It's a little different now. I mean, I'd like to say, hey, win six or seven games, but they're they're not going to win six or seven games in the Big Ten. So I'm not quite sure how all that stuff's going to work. But I think if they get two or three, three or four wins in conference, I, or I think they'll be happy. Indiana Hoosiers, you got to think of Tom Allen, right? Tom Allen was a defensive coordinator for the University of South Florida, a school that I popped 10 grand my hard-earned money every year, but it is a tax deduction because they, uh, they get federal funds. And Tom Allen uh, is a decent defensive coordinator. He's an old-school Ed Orgeron guy. He was at Mississippi for a while when Ed Orgeron was the coach, and then he was there when Hugh Freeze was the coach, and then he came over to us uh, and I say us because I give them $10,000 a year to the University of South Florida. And he took uh, a marginally talented uh, USF squad, and we won nine football games with uh, Willie Taggart, right? So 
he bounces off that and he, I don't know the, the high school, but the main high school in Indianapolis is where Tom Allen went to high school. He's a big high school guy. He's a big rah-rah guy. He's a man of faith. So what does it mean with a head football coach? We talk about him a lot because we, I use fundamental analysis because you do not, when I uh, first started in the financial world with Ned Sunderman, he ran the Colorado State Pension Fund, $2 billion pension fund. And I was going to marry his daughter who was worth $10 million liquid asset, Shelly. So he took me on these Renaissance weekends and he taught me value investing, how to evaluate a stock. And if I was going to marry his daughter, I needed to know how to invest. So we used to go to different companies and use fundamental analysis and talk to the management. That's why I talk so much about management. So when you look at a man of faith like Tom Allen, the man is watching film instead of chasing skirt and drinking out all night like Steve Sarkeesian, right? He's at home watching film. And on my Twitter, I have an inspirational message when he was preaching because if Tom Allen wasn't a head football coach, he would be a preacher. He would be one of those guys where you have to keep your wallet and your credit cards at home. Because if you bring him to the church, all your money would be gone listening to Tom Allen. So he's a great motivator. He's a great uh, recruiter, right? Uh, his running backs coach went to USC, recruited well, and now he's with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. He knows how to pick guys who can recruit. Uh, his offensive coordinator that first uh, was talking about, uh, the reason they can't do the running game is because they don't have enough. They're a developmental team, so they're offensive linemen and not developed. They got Nick Sheridan as the new X's and O's offensive coordinator, and then they have Greg Hurd, who can recruit like nobody's business. All right. However, the Big Ten is very, very complicated. They're going to have to win that game against Maryland to start off. Rutgers, look for them to be 2-0 going to that Michigan State game where probably I can't bet because of my emotion because I hate the Michigan State coach so much for what he did to those poor kids at Colorado. Uh, they could be 3-0 going to Penn State. They lose that. And then Illinois, Michigan, and then Purdue. But I look for them to be about 500 in the Big Ten. Your Indiana Hoosiers and start betting that over uh, late in the season. Yes, you got to just bet in real I just got to cut in real quick because I got to defend Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> because because uh, I played uh, junior college football uh, in the mid-90s in the uh, nice. Michigan. In, uh, uh, in uh, Southern California, which is the, at the time was the most powerful JC conference in the country. And uh, we played El Camino, which is where Steve Sarkeesian oh, yeah. My sister and, uh, went to El Camino. Yeah, he played El Camino. Uh, we played against him, and he was a hell of a, a hell of a quarterback. He was. He didn't have the, uh, you know, all the physical. Then he went to BYU and threw for like a million yards, or whatever. But right. I'll tell you, he was. There. Absolutely, you must have played against Petros. We're we're gonna have on the podcast. Where did he Petros play? Petros Papadakis. Where did he play? I gotta find out, but it, it's in that conference. 
you played against these. Certain Josh, teams. I wanted. I, I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. Are you saying that you expect Indiana to go to Wisconsin and win the first game of the season? Not no. cover the spread. You're saying they're going to win that game. They're going to cover the spread because. Okay. Uh, I make sure. I just want to make Wisconsin sure. is people are going to overvalue Wisconsin. It's going to be an inflated line, and Wisconsin wants to keep things under their wrap. They just need to do enough to win. The, the coaches in Wisconsin are not trying to cover the spread. <laughs> They're trying to win the game. All right? That's going to be a big inflated line. People don't have enough sports to bet on. They, they're going to go crazy betting Wisconsin at home in front of an empty stadium. And Tommy Allen is just going to have his guys sky high. right? And, and keep that game close in the fourth quarter and they'll lose by a field goal. Not the probably, – we'll probably get past 11, plus 11, right? And uh, – We'll monetize that game. And the beauty of it is that we're picking games like three months before before the lines even come out. Right. So, so I mean, you have to understand that that the opening line is just like an IPO in the stock market, and it just it opens at a very limited, a very low limit, and then it expands. Right. The market makes the real prices as it goes into the secondary market and everything else. Um, but just again, another 100% analogy to, to the stock market is that for the most part, the retail customer, meaning not institutional, meaning just, you know, regular people, uh, they like buying stocks, which is the same thing as betting favorites, and they like right. being volatile, which is the same thing as betting the over. So generally speaking, you're going to see uh, more retail money come in on favorites and over because that's just that's just human nature exactly. no no that's exactly right and we're we're taking advantage of a market in behavioral economics inefficiency that uh probably less than five percent are breaking down games that are going to happen two months ago from now so it's almost like uh, insider knowledge we have. The fact that we're evaluating these games and the fact that we've been watching football our whole lives. So we have uh, inspiration, uh, experiential, English is my second language. So experience knowledge, <laughs> experiential knowledge to bring to the table. And uh, how long have you been watching football, doctor, first? Uh, probably 28 years. 28 years. And Greg, you play football. Yes. So Greg played football, and then myself, 50 years old, started watching football when I was nine. So that's 41 years. So 41 plus 28. That's a lot of years watching football. And it's not like football, right? And you need guys like us to give you insight so you can monetize it, and you're not wasting your time. You're making money, having fun, which is a different than from Greg's. Like we're laughing. We're texting amongst each other. We're having camaraderie and we're enjoying the game at the same time monetizing. So, Doctor, what's the next team we're breaking down? Uh, we got uh, Maryland coming in, and this is a team last year uh, started off, put up 79 points and then 63. And then uh, the next 10 games, outside of uh, a domination of Rutgers, uh, they, they only scored 20 points one more time. It's the team. We talked about it before. Uh, Mike Loxley, who's in his career, he's uh, he's been at Maryland for about a year, a year and a half now. He's four and fourteen, which is bad enough. 
Um, right. But you look at his overall record, and I, 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 I don't know how. I hope there's a typo. It isn't, but he's six and forty in his career. Uh, that means he went two and twenty-six. Um, I believe all at New Mexico. Uh, I, I'm really a loss for words. Every time I do these teams, I try and find something nice to say about them. Obviously, some are easier than others. I was going to say, well, they play Townsend to start the season. That's not going to happen. Uh, they do have Rutgers at home. That's the only nice thing I'll say about them. Right. And you look at Greg Fiano, another guy that's surprising. He has a, a, uh, a job. Uh, Loxley uh, is a great recruiter in that area. And he worked for that fat guy. All these guys have underlying conditions here. Because Loxley is super fat, has high blood pressure. Uh, I don't think they'll let him coach this year, really. Uh, he, great recruiter for Freegen. Remember that guy, Freegen, Ralph Freegen? He was like 900 pounds. Could barely breathe. Uh, the, the big thing is that he was going through a diabetic coma closely, and they brought him ice cream, and he was eating ice cream on the sidelines in the middle of the game. Uh, and then it actually goes to New Mexico. Uh, he loses every game in New Mexico, and they couldn't fire him because they didn't want to pay the buyout until he started screwing the secretary intern at <laughs> New Mexico. He gets fired, and the only place that would take him is Nick Satan. Nick Satan, the head coach of your Alabama Crimson Tide, where anything goes as long as you win the national title, right? The old uh, Southern heritage, Southern maxim of athletic directors in the South, if you are going to cheat and and be nasty, you better win the national title. If you go eight and four, you will get fired. If you go eight and four, you have to be like Clay Helton. You have to be an angel, Christian, faith, family, football guy. Uh, Loxley isn't. Loxley uh, goes to Alabama, rehabilitates himself, wins a national title at Alabama, and he gets the job at Maryland because he knows how to recruit that area. And last year, he goes 3-9. and nine. Uh, I bet against him against Temple. Temple covered for me. Uh, Penn State, he's in a feud with James Franklin. And James Franklin put it on, 59 to nothing. So I'm 2-0 winning those games. Using emotion, Greg. Using humanity, right? Because I knew since James Franklin had a grudge against Laxley, who tried to backstab him when they were assistants at Maryland, right? I knew he was going to hide plays. So that's uh, insight that we have because all these supercomputer and trending lines that the casinos have, we have an advantage when we use humanity and we use the fact that James Franklin does have a grudge against them. And we use the knowledge, right? Like the Houston Baptist football player that we do have on the podcast different side of the podcast network, the faith, family, football side, which we're going to have uh, John uh, Bronson, uh, Penn State football legend, NFL tight end on the Super Bowl team with uh, Kurt Warner. He's going to be on the faith, family, football show, and he's going to be interviewed by a Hollywood actress who has a current role in a Netflix film that's currently on Netflix. So that's going to be a great faith, family, football show, okay? 
And uh, that's your Maryland Therapins. Uh, look for these games to go over. They have the type of offense that whatever defense you're in, it's wrong. You have eight guys on the line. You're going to throw it. Seven guys on the line. Um, you're going to run it. And uh, look at this. Uh, row your boat. They're going to be out coached row your boat. It's going to be a close game against Indiana. Northwestern, he's going to be out coached. Wisconsin, uh, he's going to be out coached and played. Rutgers looks like to be their second win. They'll get blown out by Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State. And then the battle of the black coaches, uh, the Michigan State game. Since he's in year two, look for the American, the, the Terrapins have an edge in that game. All right. So two, the I'm games so they'll cover, it looks like it's going to be Rutgers, Michigan State. Rutgers and Michigan State are the games you can hand your hand on that uh, they're looking to eye on. And uh, they're studying over the summer. Any thoughts on the Maryland Terrapins, Greg, uh, Greg Wolf? Well, I'm so old that it still blows my mind that Maryland and Rutgers are in the Big Ten, but uh, which I think has 12 schools, and the Big 12 has 10 schools. Uh, their well, team. well, it's because of your area, man. There's so many people in New Jersey. Yeah, they did it. And obviously, they did it because of television revenue, and and you know they want these large markets and all that. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, just to correct something right there that you said that's very important. I the, it's the markets are entirely emotional. The markets okay. are. Uh, You're I'm, not the, I'm not discounting the emotion of, of the of the, the the constituents of of the, the actual games. That's emotional, but there are uh, or, or that's not. I have no emotion towards that. Our data have no emotion towards that. Uh, but the markets mani- uh, uh, adjust based tremendously favorable economics, which is emotion. So the key to any market is totally extricating yourself yourself from any personal emotion. That's key. And numbers have no emotion. Have no right. emotion whatsoever. That's why the number one rule of betting is do not bet your own team. Because your own team is like your kid. You're going to have use emotion. So there's no way you can rationally pick your own team. That's why records against Maryland is going to be a very interesting line. Because, man, there's going to be so many records people going to Foxwoods and going to Atlantic City and just betting blindly Rutgers that you got to look at, you got to do your research, don't bet blindly, but you really got to look at Maryland, make sure they have all their players, or maybe uh, they're mad about the loss against Wisconsin the week before, that they might have a little bit of edge against that, all that money coming in on Rutgers. Yeah, I think that, that in, the, in the older days, there, there was much more regional bias than there is now because as the market has gotten so huge, uh, the regional bias to like a local bookmaker, say back when, you know, the Eagles played the Buccaneers in that NFC championship and, you know, everybody said that nobody on the Buccaneers ever went to the, you know, right. ever played, you know, uh, under 40 degrees or whatever. And it was like two degrees at the vet, you know, there was, and I, I was Philly, and this is before the market really got to where it was is now. Um, that number closed at, you know, like uh, four. The Eagles were favored by like four, 
in the city, but in Tampa, it was you know, right. something like that. So there yeah, was, I remember that. you know, regional bias uh, there, and, and um, that used to be not doesn't happen as much. What anymore. I remember is I had friends in Philly, and I went both sides of the bet. I bet one way in Tampa, and then I bet another way in Philly. Yeah. How about I mean, that money? It's all yeah. about that money. And another thing was that uh, taking advantage of the regional bias, though, uh, whether real or not, we made 90% of our bets in inflated lines with LA Rams, LA Chargers, and San Francisco 49. San Francisco 49 was a defensive team. And they were getting like plus 11, where in uh, Atlanta ended up beating them. And we went up the other way with uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Julio Jones, remember? I think first and I were arguing if Julio Jones was going to play. If Julio Jones was going to play, we were going to go Atlanta. Because that plus 11 was so juicy. All of those 49, are, and it's a lot of money. Silicon Valley money, a million dollars going over the hill to uh, Reno to plot blindly a million dollars on San Francisco 49. Taking him over a key number for us. And went the other way against uh, lack of impulse control, uh, Corn uh, Napolo, we call him, because he's a, a pervert and his lack of emotional control. We were able to predict his inter- interceptions in the Super Bowl and win that bet as well. Brandon first, he cashed that ticket. Oh yeah, we uh, we cash we cash plenty of tickets. Can't wait to do it again. Uh, hopefully, very very soon. You were winning the horses today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice one. Uh, moving the on, 90, we'll, uh, ninety to one show bet. Oh yeah. The- that was a nice, nice little sneaky one. Uh, moving on to everyone's favorite Harbaugh, probably not, but Michigan. Uh, this is the team that it's going to come down to how they play uh, against uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State. They're obviously going to Ohio State. That's not going to make things any easier for them. Um, they no have fans to in the stadium, though, right? Sorry? No fans in the stadium. Yeah, still, I mean, the, the travel, the the – you know, it's it's different. You know, you're not you're not doing the same thing normally that you would. I'm sure the um, the 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 bus ride in and stuff like that. If they're, I don't quite know how football's doing it. Obviously, with baseball, you walk out of your hotel dressed. I don't think that's going to happen in football. But um, either way, I mean, there's travel to deal with. There will be um, you know, it's not it's not your home cooking, if you will. So for me, it's going to be how Michigan fares against Wisconsin and Penn State. Um, but there's always one team that they – or always one game that they fall. Um, they probably – it was going to be a tough one at Washington. That's dead. That's not happening. Um, I look at at Minnesota. I, I, I think – Roll your Minnesota, boat, man. Roll your boat, yeah, man. Too much money last year. It wasn't even funny. I think Minnesota is going to um, – I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Michigan, looking at the schedule, let me see. They might be – I mean, if Michigan comes in 3-0, and they will be the favorite because they would have beaten Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan State. But um, I-, I have Minnesota winning that game. Not quite sure how the line's going to add up. Like I said, there's a chance Michigan comes in 1-2 and two in that game. So um, I doubt it. I doubt it. I, I doubt it, too. But there's a chance. They could slip up um, against either uh, possibly both Penn State or Wisconsin. Und- it's doubtful. But like I said, if they come into that game 3-0 and – that line's going to be heavily inflated for Michigan, and we'll hit it hard. But either way, I have uh, Minnesota winning that game. Um, and that'll be, like, the one game that we look back. Every year we look back at Michigan and go, God, if they 
they would have just handled their business in that game. They could have been in a, you know, a BCS bowl or, or maybe within a shouting distance of a playoff spot going up against Ohio State. They always seem to lose Northwestern or a, or a Michigan State or a, you know, a down, you know, Wisconsin or something like that. This year, I think it's going to be uh, Minnesota. I agree. I don't know if they're going to lose to Minnesota, but I do see Minnesota covering. I think Harbaugh, like Belichick, uh, has the program and the team the way he wants them. He's uh, salesman thinks short-term, businessman thinks long-term. He's taking a long-term approach, pitched his tent there. He has two kids coaching for him, uh, giving them, you know, high six-figure salaries to coach position, uh, Jay Paterno. Uh, and you're looking at the schedule, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and then roll your boat. Roll your boat's a great coach. And you know what? I don't know if, I don't think, you know, people don't change unless they have to. And Vegas always gives high plus numbers to roll your boat. And roll your boat, man has been catching tickets to us like crazy. Uh, he got divorced because his wife said he was watching too much film and neglecting the whole family. And he's remained single. Uh, he, he came out and was very public that he made it clear to his girlfriend that he's married to the game of football. So when he, he is not watching film, he's out recruiting. He's not religious. He said he's agnostic. He said that his God is college football. So that's row your boat. So row your boat right now. You got to think since March has been uh, studying Michigan, knows every single thing there is to know about Michigan. So that's going to be a lot of value for row your boat. He's done a great job recruiting, but we'll get to him. Um, yeah, I see. I see that. But if they lose to uh, Minnesota, then they got Purdue. Purdue's got a coach that's making seven million dollars a year, developmental program, but a mad uh, Michigan team. Boom, we covered the other way around. It's a trending line goes the other way. They blow up Maryland. They blow up Rutgers. Tommy Allen would have ran through his team by then, November 21st, thanks to Thanksgiving. Religious man, to let that game go. And then it's going to be a battle royal against Ohio State. Do they, Doctor, do they beat Ohio State this year for the first time? You know they're setting aside Ohio State since March. They're spending the whole pandemic knowing every single thing there is to know about Ohio State. And you got to look at using the statistical, your favorite statistical process, doctor. Return to the mean. Ohio State's been five straight times. Uh, Harbaugh makes $10 million a year. You know, he, he knows every single nook and cranny. And remember, Ohio State is coming off a year where they had a bunch of seniors, a bunch of experienced guys, and uh, they got cheated. Uh, when uh, the paid-off ref made a ridiculous call that everybody knew, but he got paid for it. And Ohio State lost to those uh, double Sweden faith family football guys. I think they do it this year. You know, I – Even talk if they about, don't, we're going to cover the spread, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I think they cover the spread. I think it's going to be an incredibly – especially – and like I said, I know it's it'll be without fans, but look, it'll be in Ohio. Um, so – um, now, maybe not the full three points, but maybe an extra point. But the, the line will be inflated for Ohio State. And, yeah, Michigan's going to cover. Uh, but, you know, we can talk about return to the mean and stuff like that. But Ohio State is it has more talent. Um, I think they have maybe for the game the better coach. I think Harbaugh's uh, overall better coach. But in the 
the rivalry of Michigan Ohio State. He kind of seems like the um, the the UFC right, fighter who's just going crazy. He's walking out. Herbaugh's the guy, you know, the UFC fighter walking out, going crazy. Uh, right. And he gets in the ring and then is gassed because he went all right. crazy and he's a clown. And then you got uh, Zach Day who's just going to go out and be methodical in the way he does things. I I will definitely expect Michigan to cover the spread, um, but it, it will take a lot for Michigan to beat Ohio State. Um, I, I see maybe in a year or two when – Maybe they're – I mean, do they even re- rebuild? I mean, this is kind of like Pete Carroll's USC team. They, there's not a rebuild. It's just a reload. Uh, Michigan State, I expect them to uh, – not not hand – or I'm sorry, M- Michigan, I expect them to have a uh, – to cover the spread against Ohio State but lose the game. Right. And we'll talk about fields when we get to them. What's the next thing we're covering, Doctor? Uh, do we want to – Wolfline, you got anything on uh, Michigan? Uh, no, all of our data comes up uh, as the raw data comes in and processed, so I, I have no opinion fundamentally. Perfect. Uh, okay. Technically, technically. Technical. Next up, uh, next up, let's see, where are we? Uh, we got Michigan State, obviously, one year after uh, Mike D'Antoni stepped down, Mel Tucker stepped in. This is a team that's going to be either five and seven, six and six, or ten and two, and probably going to be the uh, five and five, five and seven this year, or actually whatever the hell, what three and five, three and six when the Big Ten is all said and done. Um, they they're not a team that jumps out at you, but they're also a team that they always play their their group. That, that area better than they should. They always play Penn State better than they should. They always play Michigan better than they should, or at least lately. Um, uh, maybe not so much with Ohio State, but those two, they can maybe sneak one of those two wins in. I don't expect it. I definitely see a coverage probably uh, against both of those teams. Definitely one. Uh, I think definitely over Michigan. I think Michigan always is a little – I don't know. They're maybe a little jittery. I think they're still having nightmares of the uh, the what do they call it? Pit, the block six or the blocked punt that they took into to uh, on the last play of the game. They always seem to struggle, no matter how much of the talent disparity there is um, between those two schools. They blew them out Michigan, last year. Michigan beat them forty-four ten. Well, I yes, and that, I think last year for for Michigan State, it's Mike D'Antoni retiring or quitting, whatever it was last year, that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, maybe some people around there could say there were whispers, but I don't think anybody expected him to um, retire last year. So I think last well, retired, year... It was, was kind of shady. It was kind of shady with the uh, athletic director because he retired a week after he got a $6 million bonus for being there. Yeah, so and, he gets and it was $6 just, million dollars and then he quits. Yeah, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that it was a uh, – it, it took him by surprise. Uh, Mel Tucker probably wasn't there uh, – is a good coach, but I don't think he was – I think, what, three different coaches said no, if I, don't rem- if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, because so, they have a lot of problems. Uh, all, you know, several players have been arrested for sexual assault, rape. You have a couple of gangbangers from Detroit on there who've been arrested. And um, – 
about 10 guys that they uh, covered up for. It's a complete disaster. And remember, uh, the head of the medical department, a gynecologist, raped 250 women and got 100 years in jail. So you bounce that with Izzo being able to cover for a couple rapists on the basketball team. Uh, Dan Tony got together with the AD, and the AD's like, man, you got to go. And then Tony's like, I'm going a week after I get the $6 million. He's like, all right, bet. So that's what happened. So no respectable coach would take that. So they got a degenerate, a man who lacks moral character, lacks a moral compass. The man is a gaslighter. Mel Tucker is a liar. And he gets rewarded with millions of dollars. But uh, he's 100% uh, a, a man of low character that I wouldn't want my kid ever to be anywhere near a guy like Mel Tucker. He sits there and lies to the kids. At, and if, you're, uh, if I can make a point Colorado. here, if I can make a yeah. point here, gosh, that was feeling off of that. Um, people need to understand uh, how the progression of all sports, uh, college sports, uh, professional sports, every single league has gone since the inception of television and then internet and then grown to um, <clears throat> the sports are only uh, supported in, in, in existentially. They, they, they would not be even here uh, if there was, it wasn't for quote unquote gambling or trading or speculating right. multi-trillion dollar business, which is the only reason why people really choose to consume the products. And, um, you're talking about coaches in uh, in college at the 1A uh, football and basketball level that are making millions of dollars that if, if it wasn't for gambling, quote unquote, which we call trading, uh, they'd be making maybe 70000 a year if the program even existed. Right. So right. they should shut Well, if you look at, just look at our little podcast, uh, you pointed, you're the first one that pointed out to me those 800,000 people who opened up brokerage accounts when they couldn't bet during the pandemic. So that's our audience here on the podcast, and they have a, a buying power of $5 billion. That's just this podcast. <laughs> now imagine the whole sports industry. So when you say a trillion dollars, yes, a trillion, do a trillion dollars can be tracked in an academic, professional way. You can track a billion dollars to betting, and that's why uh, a degenerate, a, a man of low character, uh, a criminal, for lack of a better word, Mel Tucker, is sitting there making three, four million dollars a year. And why, why betting why has been legalized else, in 22 states. Why else would anybody be watching uh, University of Ohio versus Eastern Michigan on a Tuesday night? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I don't even watch it. I just put you know, I analyze the game, put some money on it, and then do work and maybe check the score at halftime, right? Right. right. But, yeah, the, that's why Michigan State's still around with that fake rivalry with Michigan. But I agree with the doctor. I think uh, what's going to go down is that uh, Michigan's going to be such a huge favorite because they beat them by so much last year, and Michigan is not going to show so much because Mel Tucker wants to lay low. Out of the, after the crimes he committed in Colorado and the pandemic, he's going to play basic football. 
he's probably going to be lazy, right? He's getting $3 million a year. Why, why do anything, really? Just recruit for when the pandemic's over. Uh, Michigan will win, but they probably won't cover. What's the next team, Doctor? We got uh, the real class of the conference, the Ohio State. Um, we've obviously talked a bit about them before uh, talking about other teams. But, but they don't go to class. You only get, have to have a 2.0 to go to Ohio State. And these are a bunch of criminals recruited by uh, Urban Meyer, who's had a bunch of serial killers at the University of Florida and Bowling Green. And they wouldn't let them anywhere near the USC campus because of that. And because four deans at USC of all are sitting in jail in the middle of a pandemic for sexual assault, embezzlement, and all other crimes there. Academia at the University of Southern California. They have uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. I digress, Doctor. What were we going to say about the, uh, you know, the Ohio, Ohio State? Ohio State, I think of all the things with the announcement today of um, no conference games, obviously the Pac-12 and the Big 12 or Big 10. Um, us losing Ohio State, Oregon off the schedule, that's a bummer. I think that was probably um, – now, obviously, in a, if we're in a regular season uh, in terms of fans being in the stands, there, you can make a case that going to Oregon would be the toughest on the slate. That obviously isn't happening. Um, they do have a little tough, tough little skid where they go at Michigan State, at Penn State, home to Nebraska. And, of course, like I said, the road games aren't that big of a deal this year with no fans. But Ohio State is – I mean, you can pencil them in for the Big Ten championship game, um, and they're probably going to face a team like Wisconsin – probably have something like we saw last year with Wisconsin. Josh Fields is a I, – I, there's a show on Netflix. Um, I don't know if it's still on there, but it's a it's a kind of a last chance you type thing, but it, right. it follows top quarterbacks um, in their high school year. And and one of the first years, Jake Fromm was um, uh, featured on. Fromm. And then um, uh, Tate Martell, who's still bouncing around the transfer right. portal for like the 15th time. I tell you, you want to you – find a family that's real easy to dislike yeah you watch the martells in that series but uh, what the reason i brought that up is because justin fields is actually um brought uh, uh featured in this and he's one of those guys he's kind of the anti-joe burrow he, he he started in the sec now he goes to ohio state and the question with him with with ohio state quarterbacks is always is it the talent that's around them or is it the actual you know players that are getting it done. I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen an Ohio State quarterback, you know, be rather successful in the, at the next level. Uh, for this season, in terms of covers, I'll tell you what, the easiest cover I had all of last year was plus 52 and a half Rutgers, Ohio State. That was so easy. It was 56.1. It was only 31 nothing at halftime. I knew we were home free when it's only 31 nothing at halftime. It's all good. So there's yeah, going to be covers. him out. Oh yeah, exactly. And 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 then at that point, I mean, you can't. You pretty much have to pull your guys, uh, or else you're gonna, you know, have that stigma. And also, you don't want the Tua situation where, you know, Justin Fields hurts himself when you're up 38 nothing on Rutgers, uh, trying to run up the score. But w there are coverages in this um, on this schedule. I think they will have. A lot of the lines are gonna look inflated, but might not actually turn out to be inflated. But they're. I, I'm looking at that Rutgers-Ohio State game and waiting to uh, hopefully uh, make another – hopefully it's push it up to 59 this year just to 
help it out a little bit, but um, there, yeah, there's we'll going to be talk about it when they come. We'll talk about uh, Greg Ciano, another uh, outstanding young man who's, who's a kid coach in the Big Ten. You think about the Big Ten having great coaches, but they have a lot of degenerate coaches with checkered pasts on here. Uh, My only comment there, Josh, is that uh, with what the doctor was saying is that um, you have to understand that that all numbers in all in in in, in all conferences are not the same. So just because of what's in, in options called implied volatility, which is the the, the total expected points. The higher that is, the less the points mean. So, you know, in a conference like the Big Ten, which is uh, at the moment uh, extremely much tighter than, say, the Big Twelve, where they where they routinely hang totals, you know, up to ninety points, which is almost, you know, by the definition of the fundamentals of the game, very difficult to achieve. And points mean much less in a conference or a sector like the Big 12. Those, you know, a 36-point or a 38-point favor in the Big 12 is much, you know, much uh, different than than a 38-point favorite in, in a conference like or a sector like the Big 10 because points mean more to just uh, the way that the game is played. All right. So you take what Greg Wolf said, and you looked at the offensive coordinator. For the Ohio State Buckeyes, it's Kevin Wilson. And where did Kelvin Wilson come from? University of Oklahoma. And where does the University of Oklahoma play? The Big 12. So you bring in that dynamic, right? And it kind of fakes the logarithms and the supercomputers that comes out with the bets and gives us an edge that is, who cares about having an edge? And who cares about anything? What, what, what matters is that the doctor made money off put money in his pocket and took his girl out to dinner with the money he made better. That's the bottom line. He called DoorDash with the money he won, right? It's on the Bitcoin card. He called DoorDash and had dinner on the money he made at Del Mar. Don't support DoorDash. I do not support Door. Don't support third party. Come on now. They take way too much <laughs> money off of those places. So I will, uh, I will, I will walk my fat ass over there and drive my fat ass over there. I do not need a uh, DoorDash. Well, you got his girl dinner with the thirty bucks he made over there oh, at yeah. Delmar. But you look at their schedule. Uh, at Michigan State, they're in a developmental year. Watch out for Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes, Kurt friends early in the season. Yeah, those guys uh, playing power football. I don't think they'll beat Ohio State, but they'll make that game go under. It's going to be inflated. Uh, at Penn State, uh, look for them to even lose that game, depending how many people uh, Jane Franklin has. And then smooth sailing. The problem Michigan's going to have is that uh, the last three games before the Michigan game is Indiana, uh, Maryland, which we talked about, the perverted degenerate Loxley, who's fat with a bunch of underlying conditions and diabetic and High blood pressure. Who knows? Lastly, I, I wonder if there's bets that Lockley's going to make that <laughs> with all the underlying conditions he has. It's going to be in the middle of the second wave there, November 21st. You brought up uh, Friesian. Where is Is he around still? Uh, yeah, he is the um, off-field advisor for the University of Maryland, Rob Friesian. 
Wow. He's still alive. Barely. It's wow. still there. I was just, just curious. Yeah. I would ask him if he's had the lap band surgery or something like that. Okay. Next up is uh, a team that's uh, probably borderline shouldn't be betting on them because I uh, they're, they're, I mean, uh, they're your own team, so you can't bet on them. They are. Uh, yeah, it's going to be the Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, look, the only thing I'll say about them is um, obviously we know the history, everything that goes there. Joshua will bring it all up all over again. Uh, but <laughs> no, I not, think not for, a lot of it. For right now, um, I, I've loved what James Franklin has done. Um, and it's really honestly. Bill O'Brien, too, obviously, he kind of gets a bad rap at, uh, at, in Houston for good reason. But um, both of those guys have really, I mean, for, for a program that was as down as, I mean, that program could ever be, no matter what happens, um, they've had two really good coaches. I think James Franklin, they, I think they've been uh, lucky to keep him. Um, but I think he's a, I think he's a really good coach in, in, a, in a world of degenerates that Josh will point out. I, I think... That I know of, I, I think James Franklin's a good guy, but you never know. Yeah, actually, to be honest, all the Penn State people that I've had in my business life and that I know, they're all great, outstanding people. It's, it's a shame what was going on behind closed doors. So we're going to have a Penn State guy who's very uh, generously with his time. He's coming on our podcast, the Faith Family Football Podcast talk about his time at Penn State, his NFL, and the great business that the guy has right now. So, also, uh, Robinson, I forgot his name, uh, he played for the Bucks from Penn State. Uh, he's the color man for USF football. Very nice guy. He's on my Facebook page. So, I have nothing personally bad ever to say about uh, Penn State, Penn State football. Uh, their alumni groups are always great at the bars. So so, there, so there's well, no behaved. more, so there's no more rhythmic slapping of flesh in the shower with stand up. <laughs> yes, and we'll get that when we get to the Rutgers coach who didn't report it. Uh, <laughs> man, uh, Ruck, uh, James Franklin can recruit. James Franklin is a very, very good guy. He's a very good manager, right? He knows how to delegate, and uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I have to look it up. But the uh, the guy who got fired in uh, Mississippi State, still like an advisor, but he, he's a great guy at picking coordinators, uh, great recruiter, and he makes sure he wins the games he's supposed to win. Uh, so he'll probably split that at Michigan, at Ohio State, as far as the, the spread is supposed to be concerned. And that, and he, that quarterback they have, uh, he wasn't supposed to be good as a freshman. They gaslighted me. They lied to me about that. He, he was lights out when he came in. So that bodes well for Penn State. Uh, they had a great defense last year. They had a great defensive line. All those guys who were drafted in the first two rounds uh, looked for a return to the mean, right? We used uh, the statistical concept of return to the mean with that defensive line. So look at the overs when you're looking at Penn State because that defense is not going to be as good as they were last year. And that quarterback is lights out and that whole offense. It was a young offensive line last year. So look for return to the mean to go the other way and look for these uh, Penn State games to go over. That bowl game went way over for us and we cashed it very, very easily. So we love James Franklin for that, for making us and remember, And remember, Josh, I like to quote the great 
administrator Jesse Livermore, right. who uh, the only the only news that matters is not in the headline. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. Amen. Especially with Penn State's concerned. Yes. <laughs> Uh, moving on to probably Actually, another. The athletic director of Penn State uh, just accepted my friend request on LinkedIn. There you You're go. desperate, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> moving and on. You can to... come on the podcast at any time. Yeah, why not? Transparency. That's what they need, right? Yeah. Uh, moving on to another team that's uh, probably got a lot of things going on that we don't read about. Rutgers. Uh, <laughs> right. This is. This is um, like I talked about, you know, we talked, hey, try and find something nice or something good to say about a team. Um, because there are go- they are going to cover. They are going to probably cover three or four times. Oh, well, with, what, ten games or nine games. Okay, two or three times, maybe four, depending on how the lines roll We're out. We're cover against all the black coaches. Oh. <laughs> well, so what, twice? No, they got Lovey well, I Smith. Guess, I guess they got a – do they play you know, James Franklin? They, they played. Three okay, they got three coaches. on there. No, four black coaches. Purdue? Oh, no, Lovey. I apologize. How dare I forget Lovey? I'm Lovie so sorry, Lovey. Super just, Bowl he's coach been there the for, He's been there forever, and he's been 4-8 and eight for the last 10 years. I'm, I forgot he's been there. He was 6-6 six six last year. And lost oh, the excuse me. Okay, return to the mean. But anyway, yes. um, we, uh, we go back to Rutgers. And the one thing I will say with Rutgers is the only time they've ever been um, good – I mean, they were actually really good. I mean, it was before they got to the Big Ten, but it was when Greg Sean was here the first time. And now, granted, I think Jeff Toole was the quarterback, and then um, I know Ray Rice was the running back, and we all can have a nice little chuckle at that. <laughs> I was a fine, outstanding young man and Ray Rice. Yeah, um, but, you know, just in terms of what was going on in the field that year, really good defense. Um, I do remember, I think they played a Thursday or a Friday night game against uh, Jeff Brom. He was the quarterback at Louisville, and Louisville was just supposed to kill him. And and Rutgers just blew everybody's mind. Uh, I think they ended up maybe making a BCS or or, or lost in one uh, lost in the championship game, their conference championship game. But that's what I remember. Literally the last time Rutgers did anything besides last year, um, that nice little cover they got for me. But this is a situation they they're bringing him back. This is it, it reeks of desperation. Okay, it it it. it Smells well, so no, much if like- you read about it, I read about it from the beginning. It's not necessarily uh, desperation, right? Uh, Tony Soprano University has a group of guys that Greg Wolf knows well. There's a, there's a hint neck of the woods. They have a lot of cash laying around. And they use that cash to pay high school guys like the Ray Rices of the world to go to Rutgers. And Chiano is their guy because Chiano is a control freak. Chiano likes control over things. Uh, Chiano likes working with cash. Well, well, here, here's the, here's the thing about it. It's, yeah, I do happen to know this. Uh, yeah, he's a, your neck of the woods, Wolf like. Well, I mean, he's a University of Miami guy, so you, you only you don't have to go any further than that. You want to talk about right. when you talk about cash, a dirty program with what was that guy's Nevin? Uh, that guy's name Nevin. Um, Nevin Cohen. Right. The head point guy. Right, exactly. Uh, in those great Miami years with uh, Will Fork and all those pictures. And the, and he went to, you know, he was running a uh, 
a billion dollar Ponzi scheme and now he's in prison. He was just, you know, I mean, so Shiano comes from that type of atmosphere. I still can't believe Remember it. Remember, Two Life Crew was part of it. Two Life Crew and Luther Campbell admitted well, no, to, to Kenny Account. This, this is after the Two Life Crew years of the, of the <laughs> 80s. This, this is the 2000s, uh, my Butch Davis. Which I can't, I can't even. I mean, it's just. I mean, you look at the only team to ever get the death penalty, quote unquote, which was SMU, right? With Eric Dickerson, I think. I think that, like, the extent of what they did was. I think his mom got like a used like Camaro with sixty thousand miles on, or something. Like that. Right. Right. You know, they got they get the death penalty in Miami during those years. They're being, you know, they're all over the place on yachts and and, and hookers. Everything's right. fine. Uh, no, that was just the tip of the iceberg, man. That was just the tip of the iceberg. But that, that but anyway, that, that's the kind of uh, coterie that he was coming from. But you know, that's that's. I mean, look at Baylor. You know, in the Art Briles, you come on, man. I mean. Oh yeah. His son is still cooking, yeah. The whole roster should probably be in prison. But, hey, <laughs> yeah. it, it is what it is. And as I said, they're, you know, they're commodities. And, and a lot a lot of, uh, you know, bad stuff happens when you start talking about big money. And we're talking about trillions of dollars. And, and it is what it is. So, just uh, it's all about figuring out the game and then outgaming the game. Yeah. So, there's these connected guys. There are about seven guys. Rutgers University, they brought Chiano in the first time, and they brought him again because he understands the system and the formula. Chiano is from Ram, Ramapo High School in New Jersey. Uh, he graduates from Bucknell and then goes back to Rutgers as an assistant. And he recruited all these great guys, and he goes to Penn State, then goes to the University of Miami, uh, which was, you know, cash place, right? I remember a guy that I know was being recruited to the University of Miami during that time. He's like, oh, I like what Miami's talking about, right? So what code was, somebody says that I like what they're talking about, was that he, uh, Shiano outbid the other coaches from the other university for his services. So that's how records is going to rise. Shiano has his own money. He's invested well. Um, he has a lot of money himself, very disciplined, very cheap guy. Uh, I do have some inside information on that. He's very frugal. His wife and kids are normal. He doesn't spend any money. He has a lot of money. He wants to win. He's a control freak. Uh, he's really good friends with Bill Belichick. But you got to think about, uh, he was up for the University of South Florida job. He didn't get it after the background. The Patriots did a background check on him. Did not pass that, but he did pass the seven guys' background test. We got him back at the University of Rutgers, and they're not going to be any good this year. They will cover the under because he's a great defensive coach, and he can't help himself but to put a very, very good defensive uh, game plan. And his assistant coach and everybody there are very, very well uh, compensated. So well, they Remember, New Jersey, I do know New Jersey is very underrated as far as uh, 
Bowl recruiting. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, they're, they're top five. Uh, they're top five for high school football in the country. Yeah, if you just look at like Don Bosco Prep and a couple others. Uh, you know, they're up there with uh, Don Bosco Taylor's. Prep. Donnie Bosco Prep. Don Bosco Prep. Yeah, Bosco Prep, whatever it is. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's a tremendous amount of talent in New Jersey. They, they don't get the uh, – and they all go away, you know. So, uh, I think, you know, again, kind of going out. Keanu's going to pay them to stay in state in those group of seven guys. Yeah, if you can do that, you know, and that's, and that's why, you know, Temple went to being a, a joke to being actually kind of respectful. You know, there's a tremendous amount of talent in this area, the, you know, New Jersey, New York, Philadelphia area uh, for this current incarnation of the game. That uh, the, the, the key there, keeping them, keeping them home, uh, and then right. they just come to a sales pitch, really. That's all. Oh, absolutely, but you gotta have that little extra to outbid LSU, Alabama, and all those guys. And the other part of it is that in 2021, it's going to be legal to play college players. So you can give them a hundred grand to go to whatever university. And on top of that, give them a podcast. You can come on us. We'll split the I, advertising and we'll get college I, players on the podcast. I, I say a lot of crazy stuff, but I actually think that in, uh, within five to seven years, uh, college football, you know, most of academia is going to be, uh, uh, allocated in non-traditional terms outside of universities and, uh, college football and college basketball, men's college basketball, will inevitably just become minor leagues. Uh, they'll keep the names and the branding rights, but they really won't even have anything to do with the school. Absolutely. It, it's pretty much the way it is now. It's just it, the adjustment is really not going to be that deep, you know, especially. Uh, we, and that we'll save it for the Monday podcast where we talk about Adam Silver. But uh, uh, the one and done's basically make it that way. College basketball and college football now is two years. Two years in the guy can go pro. So it's basically the way it is now. But like you say, they'll make that adjustment and keep the branding. But that's the lowdown. That's as much information you want on Rutgers. And as far as from the bidding standpoint, again, Look at those unders, especially when he's going against another defensive coach, right? Uh, Allen in Indiana, defensive guy. Uh, Michigan really is a run-first defensive team, so look for that game to go under. Definitely look for that Michigan State game against Mel Tucker with another hard-nosed defensive guy. They're just going to smash the ball against each other and see who's tougher in that game, right? Hey. Maybe Rutgers is tougher with all the training Triana gives them, but definitely you're going to make money betting that under, right? And we're the only podcast in America giving you a betting angle on the Rutgers-Michigan State game on November 21st. That's why we make all this money, man. We're doing it months before. Experiential learning to make that money. Let's next see on the the only issue there is when something's that far out, it's tough to get a lot of, um, you know, volume down. But other than that, okay. Yeah. And volume down looks like an under as well. If people like bend over, like you said. Yeah, I mean, you know, so that, that, that's the 
that gets into options theory, and I don't want to get into that, but go ahead. All right, next up, we got uh, Illinois, the team that I – or at least the coach that I so rudely forgot about. Um, this is the team that, hey, they went six and seven last year, went to a bowl game. I actually do remember um, taking California, uh, Cal Berkeley, winning money on that game. I remember that vividly. I remember uh, that. That was easy money. Yes, that was good. Easy money. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Hey, that money is just as green. The Cal Amen. The Illinois you know, game even, even is the, just as even, green as the Super Bowl. Even today, like the, the horse racing, that, that tenth, uh, the 10th at Del Mar, that it's always the hangover. Like they always have the feature race and then the last race. And and this one it was a twenty thousand you know twenty thousand dollar claiming horse. It might have been my best win of the day with some you know horse that might run two or three more times in his career and probably won't even go to breed. But uh, you know it doesn't matter. The money is still green. But when it comes to Illinois, it's I mean Lovey Smith is going to have his team. Uh, the defense is going to know what they need to do. Uh, he's the defensive coordinator. Uh, like I said, he's pretty much tenured there. He's been there um, for now four years, which is actually surprising. It's only been four years. Uh, he's 15 and 34. Nothing really impressive. I do I do remember a couple years back they had, I think his name was Juice Williams, the quarterback. Right. Um, that's when they were a lot of fun. That's to why we make so much money betting on these they games. Did. They did. Well, I mean, it, it, it was over. Over all day. They, 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 they was like 51, very 44. In you remember Juice Williams, man, in Illinois. And Ronnie Zuck as the coach. Yep. Exactly. Uh, the, old, uh, the old Florida guy. Exactly. And exactly. Um, I, I will say they, they might have their best quarterback they've had since Juice Williams and maybe even better than Juice Williams. A different guy, but uh, Brandon Peters, he's a transfer from Michigan, big, tall. He's a guy who's, you know, you can, you can hope that he can make the reads that you need him to. Uh, just not a, ta- not a lot of talent around him. And, and the fact with no – non-conference games I think it's really going to hurt some of these bottom level teams I think it, it, it's nice for them to go out and beat up on Miami of Ohio early on right. or or or, uh, or, uh, or in northern Illinois or, or just somebody feel good about yourself uh Illinois they're well, going to have to short man you think about it, these Illinois guys only one percent make it to the NFL they gotta oh, have fun yeah. you don't want to get their heads beat in by Michigan, Ohio State every year. You want to have some fun. I mean, they got, they got, they have a relatively easy start to things, but the end's pretty rough. I mean, at Rutgers, uh, at Nebraska, probably be one and one there. And then home to Purdue and Minnesota, probably lose both of those. At Wisconsin, don't like their chances there. Might beat Iowa at home. Um, but at Indiana, at Northwestern, and home to Ohio State, I see two, maybe three wins. Brandon Peters can be above average to good and he can get some help so i think the defense will be average to above average but they're going to need some help obviously offensively in a very tough conference if they can somehow go four and five um then then i think they would be very very proud of themselves well lovey smith is a man uh well i i remember and i'll never forget going to the tampa bay preseason practices and seeing the greatest defensive staff of all time Right, you had Rod Marinelli, former head coach. Right, he was a defensive line coach, linebackers coach. Was your Lovey Smith man? He was coaching uh, Derek Burks, former Hall of Famer. Your defensive back coach was Herman Edwards, defensive assistant Mike Tomlin. Right, another uh, defensive assistant Joe Barry, who is 
Monty Kiffin's brother-in-law, right? And Joe Barry's sister is, uh, I think, Michaela Kiffin, right? Uh, who ended up, um, I think his, uh, something, some connection to the son Kiffin. Yeah, so Joe Barry's like sister, Mary Lane Kiffin, who he blames everybody for being jealous because of her. But I digress. So we get to Lovey Smith. He took a team to the Super Bowl. He's resurrected a morbid Illini program. Getting, he's a great recruiter. He's gotten a lot of guys. He's gotten a lot of ex play help to New USC guys, promising them that that he's going to develop with them in a way that Clay Helton hasn't, and he can get him into the NFL, Brandon Peters uh, included. So you got to look at Rutgers. You got to look for him. See, that's a game that's going – if you want to talk about a game that's going under, it's going to be first game in the middle of a pandemic between Lovey Smith and Greg Shiana, both former NFL coaches, both defensive control freak, micro-role manage maniacs, right? So the, what we're doing, we're doing fundamental analysis, which is know the governance, corporate governance, know the managers, right? So we know the management of both these teams and what they're going to do, and we're going to cash those under tickets. So look them to beat Rutgers. Nebraska can go either way with Scotty Frost. I don't think Scotty Frost wants to be in Nebraska. Purdue, game could go either way. Row your boat. I think Row Your Boat's going to outcoach him there at Wisconsin. They beat him last year. So look to bet your Wisconsin Badgers as this game goes, right? It return to the mean game. Uh, Iowa, that's under 100%. Indiana, Mr. Allen, right? Defensive guy. And the doctor told you how flawed that Indiana offenses that they cannot run the football. Hey, if you can't run the football against Lovey Smith, you're not going to leave, beat Lovey Smith with his defensive heritage and the, his ability to recruit. He'll get blown out by Ohio State, so probably that make or break it game is going to be Northwestern, but remember Northwestern's a team that they're studying, right? They're studying them since March, because that's a Chicago game, right? Who can recruit the city of Chicago? Lovey Smith, against Northwestern. And how do those guys, Greg Wolf from the south side of Chicago, get into Northwestern and play football? Northwestern is uh, close to an Ivy League school. Yeah. Uh, I think of, when I think of Northwestern, I, I think of, you know, that yeah, Patrick. Big journalism school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there used to be a good journalism school. We had journalism in this country. Yeah, exactly. When, when you say journalism now, you got to put quotes around it. Journalism, right. quote. You know? <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, Northwestern uh, is one of those schools that people want them to be good. Um, and, you know, they, 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 Pat Fitzgerald, I think it's, he's the coach, right, still? Fitzpatrick, yeah. Been there. It's going to be his, his 11th year. Pat, Fitz, Pat Fitzgerald, yeah. Uh, Fitzgerald, you know, Fitzgerald, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's a decent coach, you know. As, yeah. as, he's a great as coach. Every, yeah, as everything, uh, you know, uh, their assets and they go through the, the, you know, these relationships we're talking about, just like foreign currency. So, right. 
relationships go through the process of uh, irrational overadjustment and then a money ball moment or a crisis point and then back towards uh, a correction model and then and then you know they're shorter term irrational the markets and then uh, longer term rational uh, that's the way that uh, our algorithms are all set up uh, because that's just you know based on 2500 year dialect philosophy that I won't get into but um, it, it makes it very simple so uh, but but if you're going to ask them about Northwestern, you know they have they have a year, you know they they get these years where there'll be, you know especially recently they'll be whatever eight and three or something like that. But um, uh, you know it's 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 a, it's a question of when do you want to buy low and sell high, or when do you want to sell high and you know and and buy low and you know or, and sell low. You know it's it's a, a totally artistic. Uh, interpretation. That's why trading is an art based on science. Period. That's that. That's what I have to say about Northwestern. Yeah. <laughs> I don't spend much time in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I try not. <laughs> I think uh, that's a that's a that's a good plan for pretty much everybody at this point, unless you're unless oh, you're uh, unless you're big in the uh, Kevlar vest industry. Yeah, I was just—I was just gonna say, Doctor. I don't currently own a Kevlar vest, so I don't really go to Chicago. That yeah, much. it's probably, uh, and there. I think it's more than a vest too. I think you need like the whole uh, body Kevlar at this point. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'd have to get that probably tailored. <laughs> it's uh, true, true, true. So, so yeah, Northwestern. You're right. That you know they were, they were nobody's friend. And Northwest, they they kind of. You know that 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 goes back to um, if we just want to do like kind of a free association conversation, which I think this podcast is all about. Um, you know Baylor, Baylor. I, I go back to Baylor, um, and and they really are. A, they were such a short sale at at a certain point. You know, outside of, of conference, because we, what happened with Baylor in their like good years? Baylor was a joke for a hundred years, and then all of a sudden. Right around the time, and it's interesting because it happened also. It, it coincided with the time of when quantitative easing started in the in, in the equities markets, and they changed all the rules to make you know the guys could come in and you know Robert Griffin and and the other guy that went to the Jets and everybody they would just be they would come in in the Big Twelve and throw for you know six hundred yards a game in conference with six touchdowns every time, and then they would. You know, they really weren't even anything special, but it was just because basically uh, pass defense was made illegal, you know, kind of by fiat. And Art Bryles, uh, <laughs> somehow, I, think he, I think he must have known that these rule changes were going to happen because he just recruited guys that would be consistent with that kind, that kind, of, that kind of fundamental rules of the game. Out of the blue, you know, became like this darling. You know, was was ranked in top three and top two, and then they go out of conference and get blown out. You know, in a in a bowl game or whatever. Not you know, right, right. Be competitive and and he and then you know, of course, subsequent to that, we found out what was going on. Where he was, it was basically like you know, come to Baylor. Uh, you know, if you can run a four three, you can rape all kinds of chicks, and it doesn't. <laughs> right. So uh, right. that 
that that kind of, that corrected itself, and and Baylor has has been Baylor is going back to being the Baylor they should be, and you know the Big Twelve, which is only ten teams again. Um, you know, it's it's really uh, it is what it is, but it's it's you know, football game uh, a football game should not have consistently you know post the totals of you know 90 points it's just that's it's just rubs me the wrong way but it is what it is you know you're given the, the markets that you're given and you, and you trade them as you have to trade them just to make you know make money for yourself that's capitalism that's how markets work period. right and i take it you don't like it art riles uh i never met the man but uh, i don't like <laughs> I don't, I don't like, uh, you know, what he was uh, doing. And uh, it, it was crazy what he said. He said that, uh, he said that uh, women uh, shouldn't be able to report rape. Well, I mean, it gets to be, again, we're kind of, we're kind of digressing a bit, but, you know, uh, when you get into those kind of situations, it, it gets to be very foggy because, you know, you're young and we've all been there and most of the time alcohol is involved and you got athletes that are, uh, you know, in, in at uh, universities, at certain universities are, are uh, put on uh, uh, a certain pedestal and they feel entitled to certain things. And um, that's just going to happen. And it's, uh, it's an institutional issue that's, uh, you know, um, happens a lot more than you than you hear trust me right. on that right so, you know, no, it's, it's horrible because you know our, even though sometimes they don't need it but uh i was raised that our job is to protect uh women and to protect girls especially when they're in college and high school so that that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way that he's now a uh a head coach of a high school in uh texas yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys just um, – it, it gets swept under the rug. I mean, um, you know, uh, the ex-guy uh, – I don't know how much – how well you know New Jersey politics, but the ex-disgraced ex-governor of New Jersey, Jim McGreevy, is now uh, and a professor of ethics at Fairleigh Dickinson <laughs> University. <laughs> <laughs> professor of lack of ethics? Oh, Jesus. And don't yeah, get us uh, on that. We had a great podcast on – lack of enforcement and selective prosecution. They reared his ugly head in Minnesota. But we also have the local political uh, corruption podcast uh, where we discuss those issues because now you notice, you know, cities with $45 million in reserves, and they're not buying 99 cent masks for the people at the hospital. Why does that happen? Corruption. So we well, digress. Uh, yeah. At this, at this point, you have mandated mail-in ballots being sent to cats that have been dead for 10 years. And that's no right. joke. So, you know, we all know what's right. going on. You know, right. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, watch it unfold, as they say. Absolutely. What's the next team, Doctor? All right. Next up, we got uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, and they're a team that they – 10 and 3 last year um, – Hit a little close to home for me because I remember watching Iowa just dismantle USC in the Holiday Bowl right in my backyard. Um, really good team. I might be um, maybe not the most successful coach, but he would probably be the one coach I would pick out of the Big Ten 
um, coaches to just kind of be a leader of men. He, he's going to have to rebuild or he's going to have to figure things out. They lose Nate, uh, Nate Stanley, the quarterback. They lose uh, A.J. Espenza, who I believe was – he was a pretty high pick, first, second, third round. Um, so they have some rebuilding to do in obviously a tough conference. The defense is always there. Um, generally with Iowa, when Iowa is good like they were last year, like to the point where they win 10, 11 games, um, that's when the offense is above average. This year the offense um, probably going to be average. I, I see Iowa being a 5-4 and four team in the Big Ten, um, and we we're playing a full schedule. It would be an 8-4 and four situation. Uh, another good season, I think, for Ferens is, is coming up, but it's not the usual uh, top 15 come December um, season. But if any coach can kind of juice these uh, the talent out of these kids, it's uh, it's definitely Kirk Ferens. Yeah, big time. He's a, he's a big stand-up guy. They're always – it doesn't matter uh, what goes on. It's, they're always going to have a really good offensive line. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, having my uh, USC shirt on at Starbucks in line, and there was this guy with his Iowa, his wife. All his kids had Iowa shirts on. And they're on the way to the Holiday Bowl. And he was telling me how smart all the offensive linemen are. He's like, they're not only talented, they're smart. They're all engineers. And it's true. You look at it, all those Iowa uh, offensive linemen, they're all engineers. They're all doctors. They're all, uh, you know, guys that have 4.0 grade point averages and tough majors. And they're all huge. And he always gets one or two guys in the NFL from that offensive line. Uh, and then he plays very conservative defense, right? Deep zones, play everything in front of me. And uh, I'd like to thank Kurt LaFrance for making me so much money on unders. It's really all easy I want to, say to make Iowa unders. Josh, all I want to say about that and the intelligence of offensive alignment if, is if the, the, my barometer of the intelligence of an offensive alignment is don't ever, ever commit a false start. How on earth can you commit a false start when you know the snap count? Nerves that's gets, all gets I, in the way. That's all. I, that's all I care about as far as intelligence of an offensive lineman. I don't care if they're a, a, an aeronautical engineer with a 50 <laughs> Just how can you have? How can you possibly know the snap count and have a and, and false start? That's all I want to know. The time is here. <laughs> right. Well, sometimes it's the quarterback's fault. There's a lot of dumb quarterbacks out there that give out the wrong snap count. Well, if they know this, if that's the issue, and the, and but the play comes in from the, the sidelines, and now you have, for God's sake, you have Mike right. in the in, you know, you have or uh, you know, headphones or whatever you want to call it, you have audio audio, audio uh, coming in that tells you the snap count. Everybody knows the snap count. The difficult thing is being uh, the defensive player as as almost always. And not knowing the snap count and having all these responsibilities and not knowing where anything is going and having to read and react. So uh, I never understood um, uh, false starts by somebody that knows the snap count. I also never understood 
uh, in this day in, in this day and age, uh, a block in the back on any type of kick return. So I, I just it doesn't make any sense to me. Fundamentally, it's just you can't be smart and do those things. In my opinion, my definition of smart. Right. There's different types of intelligence. There's football intelligence, and then you have uh, you know, you know, guys who can do math really well. Some guys can read. But here's the here's the going math. back Don't... and making money on Iowa games. The way you make money on Iowa games is picking that under. Because that offensive line controls the game. They take uh, time off the clock. Uh, they're usually a de developmental program, especially this year when they lost so many seniors. So since they're developing, they want to keep everything in front of them, right? And they want to control the game and have only one or two plays uh, decide the outcome of the game. And let's look at I was scheduled. Josh, just so well, I know, Josh yeah. and the doctor as well. Just so I know, is uh, is the major um, is the major uh, purpose of, of this particular uh, podcast to uh, to be uh, over under futures for total wins on the season? For, for... No, we're doing research, and then certain things jump out that we've made money on throughout the years that okay. with the current situation and the current philosophy of the coaches, because remember the coaches control the program and they're right. the God of the program and they have uh, certain philosophies and things they believe in that have made us money, especially myself over the last 12 years to the point where 80, what were we last uh, bowl season doctor? Uh, very good. We were in like the seventies. The high 70s? Yeah, so we we're in the high 70s in the bowl season because some coaches believe in bowls and some don't. So that was easy money for us. Every day, you know, we at least won an over, under, or whatever. And we've been doing it for habitually over 12 years. And we make a lot of money doing that. So, so what happens is you do your research, you get yeah. your information, you look at patterns, you look at what these guys are going to do, what these guys are coaching. Like the guy we had from Houston Baptist was telling us about the air raid and different teams they were targeting, and different nuances they were putting inside the air raid. So based on that, and the teams they're playing, we can deduce things, and then we can find inefficiencies in the market, and we can find uh, sometimes lines that come out the wrong way, and then inflated lines. So uh, the purpose of the podcast always is to make me money, number two, to make you money, and the outcome is uh, 70 to 80% betting on the game, but it's not just the money, it's the entertainment value. So that's why we get the Big Ten preview, because rule number two of betting is always do your research so you can use pattern recognition, right? And we know how these guys think to make that money during football season. And that's why, like, you, as you know, uh, Josh, is why I created gamification economics, which is the application of financial trading models, theory, and practical application to games, because it's all just a game about a game about games, right? Right, these practice is a game. Everything, so everything, if everything. they're at practice right now, we know Kirk LaFrench doesn't have an array offense, he has a running offense, 
what's he going to put? He's going to put sophisticated running games because he has a young defense. And we monetize it. Why? By going under. And like you said, behavioral economics, people like to bet the overs. So we see an Iowa game go high. The doctor and I are going to go low and cash that ticket. But the, 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 what is what is the art of it is what is high and what is low. You know, it's the irrationally high <clears throat> determining that and the irrationally low and determining that relative to the market, right? Right. And we know that because if you start, you see an Iowa game go high and we know French is going to run the football, we're going to monetize it. So we know that that game's irrationally high. So we win it every time. Like we did throughout last season and we did in the bowl season. And we did with the NFL. The NFL works the same way. And we monetize it the same way consistently uh, for the last 12 years. Well, I'm sure the doctor has uh, some uh, uh, significant knowledge of, uh, of philosophy, you know, and I'm, I'm big <laughs> on the German philosophers. Uh, Goethe was a great one, and he said that, Everything great and intelligent always comes from the, the minority. So, you know, things get a little bit too inflated. crowd is flat for, you know, something to go on. Usually it's a good time to, to be a contrarian. Uh, but it's not – it's it's all about picking your spots. And a lot of times, you know, again, to quote Jesse Livermore, the, the, the money is not made in the, the trading or, in this case, the betting. The money is made in the waiting. So you can't be impetuous. You have to be very patient and wait for uh, the probability of a market bubble or a just an irrationally distressed asset, which are they're two sides of the same coin. And that is when you choose your entry point into a trade. Exactly. That's why we talk a lot about impulse control and not betting your own team, right? And like you say, being patient to wait for those people to bet the over on the Iowa game and you bet the under and you make the money. Good doctor. What's the next thing? Because just because it's the national championship game, you shouldn't feel compelled or the Super Bowl or whatever. You should not be feel compelled to have a position, which in, in these terms would be to make a bet. You know, your your biggest position or bet or speculation of the year could be on a MAC game on a Saturday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And you might Big say, time. I don't even care about the championship game or the Super Bowl because that's not where the opportunity lies. Right, right. That's why we say uh, the money's just as green on that Iowa-Illinois game at Illinois that we know is going to go under. In the Super Bowl. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. It's just numbers on a screen. Just, just a bunch of numbers running around. And for us, it's a lot of fun watching Lully Smith and Curtin Prince go after each other. I'm completely back to the fact that I just learned tonight that Lovey Smith still has a job. But let's <laughs> <laughs> learn something every day. So He's got a lot of kids to take care of, Vince. He has to keep going. <laughs> Gotta go. All right. Next up is uh, Minnesota, and uh, just throw it out there: um, the, the the coach's name isn't Row Your Boat. Uh, it's PJ Fleck. <laughs> um, he's obviously since pretty much wherever he's gone, um, he's won. 
He's he's a guy that name is PJ Fleck. Yeah, he he will make you run through a wall. He's he's a he's a master motivator. Um, yeah. They obviously went master eleven and two. A great yeah, eleven and two last year. Um, lost a uh, beat beat Auburn by a touchdown in the Outback Bowl. Probably one of the best seasons. Um, I think Minnesota's ever had. I think they won like a random national championship, so that's probably the best year. But that's that last year is going to go down as one of the best. Uh, they, if they really do want to um, get over the hump and be and and be in the Big Ten championship, they're going to have to play better offensively. I do think there are opportunities. Um, obviously, last year they did lose to Iowa. I think um, they can beat Iowa this year. I think Iowa's, like I said, a bit on a downturn. And that was a be a tough game. game. That was a crazy game because that Iowa game was an easy cover. It was like Iowa minus 11. I'm like, when has Iowa ever beaten anybody by 11 points, no matter how good they are? Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be an interesting uh, – Interesting uh, thing. I kind of lost my train of and, thought. But... And I hit the under on that one, too. Yeah. See, that, that game, I probably bet it like two months before. I knew that irrational people were going to drive that Iowa line up by 11 points. There was no way that was going to happen. Uh, and it was going to be under 47 points. The final score of that game was 19 to 13. By knowing the philosophy of these coaches. So that was an easy win right there. And then they covered for us the rest of the year. And he covered us big on that magical New Year's Day. We were what? We were 5-0? and Actually, we were 10-0 uh, and because we got every over. So we were like either 9-1 and or 10-0 and uh, New Year's Day. Because that was New Year's Day because I know we got both of that. We got the um, – it was a crazy thing. That was – like 65 was the over-under. The final score of that game was 31-24. And Auburn was a big favorite in that game, like minus eight. So we were Minnesota all the way. And if we wanted to go crazy, we could have gone Minnesota money line, but we didn't. Yeah. So we went, yeah. So we went Minnesota and the younger. And that cashed both sides of the ticket. And okay. row your boat for Master Motivator. So what happens yeah. with a Master Motivator and the fact that he's a – yeah, he's one of those guys that either life either outwork people or you outsmart them. PJ Fleck is a guy who outworks people, and he outworked Gus Malzahn. And the fact that he is a master motivator, he outworks people. He covers for us big spreads, and he makes us a lot of money. He made us a lot of money in Western Michigan. And now he's made us a lot of money two years in a row at Minnesota as he continues to get uh, inflated nines. I guess people find it hard, right, to change their behavior and bet Minnesota so they don't, but we do, because our bottom line is making that money. And when you look at this year, he has another uh, – he's great at recruiting. So this is going to be the most talent he's ever had. He had more talent than last year. Uh they play Iowa again, revenge game. Uh, Iowa has less talent. They're going to be de- developmental. So look for uh, Minnesota to win that game. They'll win Michigan at Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's developing. So look at Minnesota. They'll lose to Michigan. They'll beat Illinois. They'll beat Michigan State. They'll beat Purdue. They'll beat Northwestern. 
and they will beat the Nebraska Cornhuskers in an empty stadium and very cold in the middle of the second wave in Nebraska. And you'll see that in the Big Ten championship game against the doctor's main man, Ryan Day, in your Ohio State Buckeyes. It's Michigan. Ryan Day is the doctor's main man. Yeah, uh, I think been defending uh, him all night before the, well, the podcast. I, and it's a bold statement, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember one. defending him. I, I said he was a good coach. Um, believe me, and and my late father uh, would be rolling over in his grave if he knew I said anything good about Ohio State. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I'm definitely, he's definitely not my guy. Um, but when the lines are inflated and there's money to be made and he makes me do it, I'll, I'll let him be my guy. Well, you cast that at Rutgers ticket, so you're, you're a great But guy. I, I got to defend the doctor there because that's a bold statement for Josh to claim the guy as the doctor's main man. I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and allow that to happen. Amen. Thank you. All right. And by the way, I just wanted to make Yeah, he was defending uh, Urban Meyer before this. Urban Meyer hired Ryan Day. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't defend Urban Meyer. I'm gonna, I just want to make no, a quick no, no. interjection. Uh, the doctor was defending Urban Meyer. Okay, well, I just, hold on. I just want to make a quick interjection. And, and I, I cannot stand the town, personal thing. I cannot stand the town of Gainesville for personal reasons. I can't stand it. It's like my least favorite town on earth. But be it as it may. That's not the point I'm making. The point I want to make is that when it comes down to confidence interval of a game, you uh, of a, a relationship or a position or a trade or a bet, whatever, that you have, depending on certain other variables that exist as well, you don't necessarily anymore have to just uh, take the you know the 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 spread, which is basically you know a 50-50 proposition like an at the money uh, option, but I won't get into that. But um, or the money line, you can also do what when I was a kid, you know, growing up in the Philly area, we called action points, which now are called they, they think it's something new called points for difference, where you make more money as or lose more money as it deviates away from the, you know, the market agreed upon equilibrium, which is the spread. Right. So you have right. a, you have a. You have you have a couple of uh, of, of uh, bookmakers or uh, you know broker dealers or whatever that are currently in operation. I don't know how much longer they're going to be in operation, but they do offer that as uh, another option to use uh, as far as depending upon your confidence interval. So you know that's if you if you blow out the team, you know if it, if it's a three point spread and and you blow them out by twenty. Uh, your, your side blows, blows them out by 20, then, you know, you make it a lot more if you're doing it on points for difference than just a simple, you know, uh, either or, all or nothing binary type uh, bet. Right. And, and, and things have changed, right? So when you look at statistics, the statistics over the last five years, there's been that change. No longer 50-50 proposition. Uh, right now, dogs cover about 60% of the time. Because that's easy profits for the, the the casinos, as they change, right? That change has coincided with 
uh, taking the human element out of it and not using an actual bookmaker bookie at the casino. So they're using our supercomputers and our logarithms. The guys well, like the doctor and I, I see it at 60%. Step in. So knowing that, step. we pick so favorites correctly, then we go 70, yeah. 80%. So that's another way of making 70 to 80% on your bet. Josh, I, yeah. I just gotta say, I just gotta say, hey, all this stuff has nothing to do with casinos. Nothing, nothing. It's not, it's not casino gambling. It's not any. There's, there's, there's supply and demand uh, aspects. To this, they're, it, they're right. financial. No, I would, I would disagree because the the lines are made by William Hill, and they use supercomputers right. for them, and they go to the sports book, right. they pay for the line, and then the bookmaker will change it usually a point or half a point. So at the end of the right. day, it comes out to 60% dogs. You could just bet dogs so, from the beginning of football season to the end, and you'll make a profit from 60% to 52%. But we want to well, make it a little bit higher than that. So here and there, we do our exactly. research. Yeah. If, 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 if it was that easy, then everybody would do it, and there would be no market. That's not true, because it, it is that easy, and we're doing it, and we're monetizing it, but people don't do it. Like the doctor loves to say, a great book, Common Sense. It's not yeah. so. I agree 100%. But what I just wanted to say with that is that, um, and I guess I lost my train of thought now because yeah. it's cute. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, so 60% are dogs, right? Uh, and then the doctor and I look at the favorites and then uh, we do our research on in and up, uh, over and unders, right? And we do our research mm -hmm. on the coaches. And we make 70 to 80% on our money, and we enjoy watching the game. So we have a high value proposition. We have a high score on the value pitch. What's well, the next thing we're talking about, the uh, great doctor? I, I, I yeah. will tell you, and I will tell the doctor if he would allow me, is that the uh, – Go ahead. If it would be so kind. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> it, it is certainly much more enjoyable to be in, uh, to be uh, speculating on, on financial markets, which these are um, relationship markets uh, in your local sports bar. And that's what the wolfline.com does. It brings Wall Street into the sports book and the sports bar. It is certainly more enjoyable to, uh, and that's the gamification process of it, is to to watch uh, and have a position on the Steelers versus the, or the, you know, say Michigan State versus Ohio State, then be tucked away in some cubicle somewhere looking at tick by tick of the euro versus the U.S. dollar. Exactly. We all, I think we all agree on that. Absolutely. Amen. Although, Amen. Uh, that, uh, the, the Rutgers, um, Rutgers Maryland game that might actually might be better to watch the uh, Euro tick, but uh, <laughs> moving on next will be be more enjoyable than watching the Euro tick. But yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is Nebraska, and and uh, Josh kind of alluded to it earlier with Scott Frost. Um, I I disagree. I think he wants to be there. I think he graduated from there. He was a uh, quarterback there. Um, left a really good spot at Central Florida, and I know Josh has his own feelings on um, you can't finish. But the fact <laughs> of the matter was, when he left, uh, they they were pretty much on top of the world. Um, he, he's here in Nebraska, and 
it was uh, I read an article about last year the AD saying, "Hey, um, we we hope if we can go six and six and get a bowl game, that's kind of what is acceptable." And I mean, in Nebraska, that's kind of ridiculous to think. Wait, wait, six six wins is what our goal is. Uh, they couldn't even get that. They ended up uh, third straight year without a bowl game. Um, it's he's going into his third year. He's on the hot seat. Um, they have to stay healthy. This team, I don't know what, and of course we're in a in a year where health is even more important. But just, I don't know how this this team every year has parts where you could say, "Wow, if 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 the talent comes together, they could be a top twenty five team." They're never going to compete right now with the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Penn States. But I mean, they. They should be they should be winning more than five games in a regular season. Um, so this is, I think, the year for Scott Frost. So it comes down to the the desperation factor, the hot seat. It is did it did it did it sink into these kids? The, the last two years of Scott Frost trying to instill his way of thinking and his way of playing football has it worked? Um, I think this is the year we finally find out. Well, I believe I believe doctor that Scott Frost is uh, who followed up Tommy Frazier won the na- they, they won the national championship. Uh, but guys uh, doesn't watch football You're, you know a lot about football here well, I, mean, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I believe Scott Frost was the quarterback after Tommy Frazier with the late Lawrence Phillips that, that, that team um, and, and a fine uh, outstanding young man by the name of Lawrence Phillips Right, rest in peace. So, you know, and then uh, Frost went on to play safety uh, for a cup of coffee in the NFL. But uh, Nebraska was still uh, a top-notch program. But, uh, you know, a lot of the – and that I believe they could – I believe that it was still the Big 8. I don't know if they switched to the Big 12 at that point and with the whole – uh, Southwest Conference and and all that stuff, really when the the great football was with with Boswell, you know Oklahoma going right. to the Orange, you know Big A would go to the Orange Bowl every year, you know and like I said like Bosworth and you know Jamel Holloway, you could you know run that option and that's the stuff I like. But um, yeah, Scott Frost was uh, I believe he he, uh, he followed up Tommy and they were they, but Nebraska has just kind of lost their brand. You know, really, it's and it's kind of a shame for me to see, uh, but people just don't want to. Uh, you know, pl- uh, players just don't want to go to Nebraska. And even uh-huh. Oklahoma, you know, they beat everybody up in, in the in the Big Twelve, which is ten teams, um, and then they, you know, go and and you know they go out of conference again, and it's just uh, uh, that that's that's another uh, issue with understanding the value of a sector or a conference relative to other sectors or other conferences. Uh, some are just stronger than others, and, and that comes down to a relative strength issue. And, um, yeah, uh, uh, Scott Frost was, a, was, a, was a, a hell of a college quarterback in Nebraska. It bums me out that Nebraska sucks, <laughs> really. But that's well, right. like and, and they come from an old era, right? They used to have uh... – the good old Dr. Tom Osborne, who was a doctor of kinesiology, kinesthetics, and he would bring in 120 guys and put them to a, you know, a program. And at the end of 
the fourth or fifth year they were on the field and you sprinkle them out with Lawrence Phillips of the world and they had a great football team so that like Greg Wolf likes to say old models they die out and they don't work and then uh, Bo Pelini actually did a really good job people are now realizing what great of a job <laughs> and what great of a coach Bo Pelini was there Scott Frost after the NFL went to uh, yeah. Mr. Bellotti over there at Oregon and with him and Chip Kelly, they came up with that powerhouse offense with uh, Herb Flesh, who's now the offensive coordinator at Chicago. And then he goes to You Can't Finish University, where we blew him out uh, every year, except for the last year where he lucked out. Uh, we fumbled going in, beating him again at You Can't Finish University. The reason we called UCF You Can't Finish University is because everybody there goes seven or eight years. Uh, so you can't finish. So he's here in Nebraska. Uh, they had three close losses last year, so that would make them. Uh, let me see. That would have made them eight and four. So look for them to bounce back a little bit. Uh, Matt Lubick is going in there as their offensive coordinator. Who really Scott Frost is going to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, they'll beat Northwestern. They'll beat Illinois. They'll beat Rutgers. They'll lose to Ohio State. Penn State's going to be an easy, uh, an interesting game. They'll beat Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois. So look down. I think uh, the doctor's right. They'll, they'll go 4-4. Four four. Uh, value for them are going to be uh, the games they, they should win, that they have to win. So the man keeps his $5 million a year salary. Uh, so look for them to cover – at Northwestern, Illinois, and Rutgers to start the season, and you will cash those tickets and take that Scott money Frost, for your Bitcoin. Whoa, 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 whoa. Scott Frost is making $5 million a year coaching Nebraska. Yes, sir. Okay, I need a minute, but go ahead. <laughs> no, that's crazy. I, I kind of think that's on the low end uh, in terms of what Nebraska pays quarter or coaches, at least. I mean um, – I would like to know you how gotta, much. You got to think about healthcare I, and all the first and stuff. I want to know how much Mike Loxley's making because that's the guy who's uh, even if he's making you know if he's making six figures a year, which I'm like ninety nine point nine percent sure he is. Uh, that's highway robbery and good for him. Um, Remember, uh, each team in the Big Ten makes forty million dollars a year just off the television. That's why they're playing. I, I, I'm not saying they can't afford it. I'm just saying he doesn't deserve it. No, he doesn't. Six and 40. I mean, I, I, I still can't get over that, but I'm moving on, I promise. Um, the one last, thing I want to say about the, one last thing I want to say about Nebraska, and, and Wolfline brought it up, about the brand of what Nebraska used to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm younger. Um, the first time that I kind of remember Nebraska was it was the Eric Crouch days. And I was probably right after um, the Scott Frost and uh, Tommy Frazier, Lawrence Phillips. Uh, well, stuff Crouch, like that. Right, Crouch was the quarterback when they, uh, which I was at this game actually. That the uh, BCS when they lost to that the Miami team that was probably the best team, destroyed college maybe ever existed. If you look at the roster, Crouch won the Heisman that year, and um, yeah, I, I have a ton of stories about that being at that game, man, because that was the first. That was the first like big event after 9/11 because there was 110,000 people at the Rose Bowl, and uh, I got in some 
serious situations uh and uh it was just uh it's, it's just uh, i got a ton of stories uh for you the doctor that we can speak about uh offline <laughs> definitely about and, that and another part of that brand that nebraska used to have so it was it was it was the triple option because they always ran the triple option back you know before it was only the the air or the service academies that did it and then um, but it was the, the black shirt defense. They always right. talked about the black shirt defense, which always blew my mind because it was like they, they wear red or they wear white. I don't know where the black comes in, but of course it was the practice and all that stuff. And you learn that yeah. stuff. But last yeah, year. Yeah, because they were all like fourth and fifth year seniors or something. Exactly. Like and it's, 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 it's like a, you know, linebacker you almost, you know. Um, and last year they gave up 31, 31 points. Let me see. It was 31 points to Purdue and 38 points to Indiana. That right. is the exact opposite of black shirt defense. So I, I, I do think, you know, a five and four season could be um, on, on the ticket for them this year. Um, but they have to, they have to return to the mean this, this is the, and I'm not even talking, you know, Hey, get ready. They're going 12 and 0 or 12 and just you're you ask for Nebraska to win five out of their nine conference games 12 years ago that would have been easy money now you don't know but this brings up like a broader question uh doctor uh as far as you know the the the, uh how the the current game uh deviates from those even those days uh you know again as we saw the paradigm shift of the rules and uh you know the late 2000s like you really, I mean, do you really think that that, uh, that Nebraska is going to start running like you know? Because when you talk about recruits and you're talking about guys that, that think they're going to, because everybody thinks they're going to the NFL, even though like you know, point a fraction of one percent is going to go and actually you know cash a check and have any kind of career where they even will will uh, will qualify to get a pension when they're fifty five, but. Um, you know, at a certain point, you know, do you think that Nebraska is going to start running like a spread? I mean, that's like, that, that's like when. Well, uh, you got to you know, remember, and, and let me throw in some uh, hardcore football knowledge at yeah. you guys. Uh, Scott Frost averaged 50 points a game at UCAMP Center. So when you played football, Greg, when this offense scores fast, you're going back on the deep, on the field and you're tired. So even if you're a good defense, if you go back on the field tired, you are going to give up more points than average. So that's right. why, those, for our purposes, those Nebraska right. games and, are over now. Right, right, right. And, and the point is the market will adjust for that. The market will inflate the total because of that, because it'll be, you know, and, and they'll agree upon what that, that total is based on that fundamental data that's, uh, you know, that's, that, that are digested and understood. But um, it, that brings you back to, like, you know, Michigan, when they hired Rich Rodriguez, as their coach, you know, after uh, who was the guy after Bo Schembechler that wore the hat? I forget, but they hired Rich Rodriguez. Lloyd Carr. Exactly. Lloyd Carr. That's why. That's why the doctor is the doctor because he can come exactly. up with that type of thing. But the tremendous thing is, football is, knowledge on this podcast, man. Correct. We just bring it to people. That's why we make so much money, man. Two months before the game, breaking right, bring down. It, break it down. So, so my, 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 when they, when they hired Rich Rodriguez, he came into Michigan. He thought he was going to, you know, 
run a spread offense and bring in these guys that were, you know, gangly and just sprinted down the field and, and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, there's dads, you know, in, in the middle of Wisconsin or, or Ohio or Michigan or whatever uh, that are, that, that, you know, that they're, they have a blue chip left tackle as a son and they're saying, I'm not sending them to that school to run that nonsense. Yep. Right. You know, and that's, that's, that's basically what you're talking about because it's, it's a, it's, it's a total, it's a total paradigm shift in the way that the, uh, the game has evolved in my opinion, but well, Scott, still, Frost, Scott Frost before he got to Nebraska was averaging 50 points a game as offensive coordinator at Oregon. And then he goes to UCF. And he runs those guys in an Oregon and UCF that you can't finish. He recruited speed guys, game-breaking guys, so they can get more money out of the donors, more money out of the alumni, because the alumni wants to be entertained for all the millions of dollars they are pouring in to the university. Right. Same reason why. Same reason why people want to see the stock market go to twenty, you know, the Dow go to twenty thousand, three thousand, whatever, and. Same reason why people want to see, you know, home runs instead of, you know, uh, uh, hit and runs and, and all, you know, uh, stolen bases and things like that. I mean, you just come down. It, it, there, it's a much more panoramic view of human nature and how uh, of what they want to see. People like to see dramatic uh, events happen. And uh, it's a great if you guys ever get a chance to watch the Joe Namath uh, football life uh, documentary. It's, it's such a great documentary because he was, he was upset about something about uh, with a game that happened or something like that. And, and he was at a dinner and uh, I believe it was Weeb Eubanks wife, who was the coach at the time of the Jets uh, said, said to him, you know, and he was upset. She said, why are you so upset? I'm paraphrasing. And he said, you know, I should have, I should have, you know, I had that touchdown pass because the guy was wide open in the steam and, and the safety left him or something like that. And she said, Joey, it's just show business. And he <laughs> said, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm really, and this was like a, you know, an older woman and all this stuff. And, and he said, no, I'm really upset because we didn't win the game. And she grabbed him really emphatically and said, Joey, it's just show business. <laughs> That reminds me of that old Harry Carey story where he was the broadcaster for the St. Louis Cardinals and he had suffered a skiing accident and he was in the hospital for a month. And at the first game, Harry Carey comes out with crushes, right? They announced both teams, they announced the Cardinals. And Harry Carey comes out with crushes and he stands next to Stan Mutual, right? Who was in his last year. And the crowd starts crying. They go crazy. The Stan Musial goes to him, hey, I saw you walking two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There he goes, it's show business, Stan. It's show business. <laughs> it's, it's right. right. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the doctor is getting mad at us because he has all this stuff. Yeah, he's got all these things going on. I apologize. No, no, no. Unfortunately, the way my room goes, I have some rather, uh, the kids run around in, in my complex, so I have to shut the window. So 
It's about like 95 degrees, so I have some uh, baby wipes that I'm um, keeping myself cool with. Uh, so yeah, no, everybody watching on the stream. Keeping anything. myself going, uh, but um, moving on. We're going to be breaking down races at Del Mar, and we're going to be streaming live all day. Yeah. Just so you know, don't flush those wet wipes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Believe me, yeah, we've, uh, and the best part about it is it says in very high, uh, big letters, flushable wipes. But yeah, no, I ain't dealing with that. I'll off on a tangent. It's totally, there's a huge class action suit that has to happen because it's yeah. just such a, a talk to like a hundred people that have had to have their whole plumbing redone for like <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars because they're flushing these wipes that say they're flushable and the plumber shows them a chose and says, by the way, don't flush these with the nope. screw <laughs> Common sense would have told you that. Right? Yeah. It's not, it's not, I don't know, but doctor, no. of course. Hilarious. Uh, moving on to uh, Northwestern, we kind of talked about them a little bit earlier, um, but this is another one of those teams that they're they're well coached. Um, they're not going to make a ton of mental mistakes. I mean, it happens. Don't get me wrong, but this is a team that most of these kids are. This is just kind of a, a chance for them to get out of uh, uh, to distract themselves from the law school or uh, or uh, med school, whatever they're dealing with. Journalism um, school. They had a good. When they had well, I don't. I don't know if that's a profession anymore, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but this is this is a team. Like I said, Pat Fitzgerald. If I do remember correctly, I think he took over either mid-season or right before the season because the coach had died suddenly, and ever since then he's kind of. I mean, they're 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 gonna go. Five and seven, six and six, seven and five, eight and four, and then back to five. And, and they kind of run in these four-year cycles. Right. Um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, last year was not a good year. Um, they had some, some interesting non-conference games. Um, the Tulane was interesting when we kind of looked over the, AC, uh, the AAC. Tulane was a, a team that I don't think would have beat Northwestern, um, but definitely probably had a cover in them. Um, right. And then a game that I'm kind of bummed about, um, I don't think um, – I guess it will happen. I don't know if it will happen at Soldier Field. I don't know. But they were going to play Wisconsin at Soldier Field. I felt like that could have been a, one of those – Do we talk about the recruiting games. That's the right. recruiting game right there. Hey, we got Soldier Field. We got Wisconsin. But I don't know – I don't, I, I don't think anything would change, honestly. I mean – Right, because they, they – they didn't they know about it in booked. March when they started breaking him down. Yeah, well, in terms of the – I don't know if they're going to do it at Soldier Field. Um, in right, terms right. Of, but as far as the gambling aspect does and yeah. making, monetizing that game, Fitzgerald, which is a, a man who makes $3 million a year, he's been there now 11 years. Uh, but then, you know, he's taxed a lot in Illinois, so it's really like $2 million at the end of the day. Uh, he's been studying – uh, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin isn't complicated, right? They have the corn-fed guys and they run the ball. He's been studying some smarts, so he's going to be ready for that game. It's going to be an inflated line with uh, Northwestern at 3-9, and nine. so go ahead and put your money, hard-earned money, do what Greg Wolf says. Don't bet it impulsively when the line comes out. Wait and wait for that line to jump game day and go bet your Northwestern Wildcats, right? bet them to cover we'll do some correlation here for it and we're going to get a lot more we didn't talk a lot last year about correlation but we'll talk a lot more look for this game to 
be inflated, let's say plus 11 Wisconsin, take Northwestern and that under. All right, next up is Purdue, uh, the Boilermakers. This is a team, um, it, last year, four and eight. It's a long cry from the um, Drew Brees days. It's, it's a team that has a guy I, ta- I brought up earlier, um, Jeff Braun. It's right. his opportunity. He's been okay, 17 and 21. Obviously not the easiest place to go and win straight off the bat. You're dealing with a private, uh, it's a private institution. Uh, you're not just walking in off the street there. Um, the hardest part though, is the recruiting. They, they don't really recruit terribly well. Not a ton of kids really want to head to Purdue. Um, West they, Lafayette, Indiana. Oh yeah. It's, it's not, I mean, I don't want to, I'm sure there are some nice places in the area, but Sure, there's also some nicer places in that conference and better football you can play. It's it's going to be a tough year for them. Um, their their start is at Nebraska. Um, they'll host Rutgers, but then they go at Illinois, at Michigan, Northwestern, at Minnesota, home to Wisconsin, home to Iowa, at Indiana. They they could find themselves feeling good that they beat the crap out of Rutgers and then be one and eight at the end of the year. And I mean, like I said, maybe maybe they could steal one against Northwestern because it's at home. Um, maybe Illinois on the road, but I mean, after they're done with Rutgers, you got at Michigan, Northwestern, Minnesota. With it's it, it's going to be a rough year again for Jeff Brom. Uh, the question I would have is: Is this a hot seat territory? I mean, seventeen twenty one. No, not, not at all. I don't think so either. Yeah. Okay, good. Probably, yeah, I don't think yeah. so either. It's public record, and I have some insight on that. Uh, his contract is like uh, Jim Harbaugh's. So he makes close to $6 million a year to coach football at Purdue. And when he got into a bidding war, because Wizzle, who you mentioned in that game, uh, wanted him. So what happened is they gave him the $4 million they were going to give, and they put $2 million in a whole life insurance policy. So in a whole life insurance policy, you put the cash in there and he takes the cash out tax-free to do whatever he wants for it and leaves that $4 million in there. So it's a tax mitigation strategy uh, that I was lucky, fortunate, and good enough to be involved in. So Jeff Brown makes a lot of money. So it's a developmental program. We're in a pandemic. So I, I look for teams like this to to utilize the pandemic, to get better salesmen, think short-term, businessmen, think long-term. He has a $30 million buyout, right? That, you know, if you're a good business person and you're involved, you make sure the negotiations get uh, a buyout, right? So he his buyout is high. His, uh, you can look for my name, go ahead and look it up, uh, Jeff Brom's contract. It's all public record because they give federal funds. And uh, big buyout, makes a lot of money, developmental program. I would bet against them all year. Well, I, w- I just want inter- to interject this very important thing, and I, I don't want to get it uh, go uh, too far out on, on the whole issue. But as you see these seasons in this, this unprecedented time, be compressed. Understand that as the 
the number of data points or the time or the, the number of games or whatever are less, then you are much more likely to see the continuation of irrationality than you would be if the time frame was longer and there were more data points. Right, so, but the, the data points here at some point, it, it becomes irrelevant. When you look at Bob Diaco as now so the, the defensive coordinator, so it's going to be a completely, totally de different defense. And then Diaco is an outlier because Diaco is making close to $1.5 million a year as the defensive coordinator. So you look at a developmental program, right? And when you get new data points, that points right. to us, right? Just simplifying it. So we cash tickets in our Bitcoin uh, accounts are fat and Anna goes and buys gasoline and purses with it. That means yeah. that the Purdue games are going under because Bob Diaco is, is the defensive coordinator. And then you look at games Purdue is playing against other defensive-minded teams, right? Rutgers, right? October the 10th, under. Illinois, Lovey Smith, under. Michigan, they got bigger fish to fry than Purdue, so they're going to hide the offense, which makes data points irrelevant. Then you look at Northwestern, developmental program, row your boat and go either way, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Indiana. So that smells like a lot of unders right there. And I would bet the money line against Purdue in those games. Go ahead, Greg. I think that the point that I'm trying to make is better actually uh, uh, presented with Major League Baseball. So, you know, right. Major League Baseball, the 1927 Yankees were like 67% uh, winning percentage 68 or something like that and they're they're right. you know, arguably in history um yeah. over a, a, a much larger sample size you know you're seeing uh things that, that, that you know in terms of baseball you could have a team you know and those yankees could have won you know 20 games in a row i don't know what their their streak was but um you know just because of the the compression of the sample size, you have to understand that irrationality is much more uh, apt to, to continue if the sample size is lower. As it goes longer, then you get back to uh, the synthesis or what is, you know, the, the return to rationality. So the irrationality in a more compressed sample size or time frame or data points is much more likely to be irrational than if the season is longer. That's all I'm saying. Right. And, 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 it, and that's it, going to be interesting to look at when baseball starts, 60 games. And that's the key, too, because we talk about, like, okay, we're going, like, 25% of this team, of these teams' schedules are being cut. Um, for baseball, it's 60, I, I think it was, like, 65, 68%. That's a right. huge amount, you know, taken out. And that's, and that's a great point that baseball at 60 games, I brought it up on the podcast, at 60 game mark last year to start the year, the, the National League Championship Series, the two teams that fought for the National League pennant weren't in the playoff picture. They weren't even above 500. So that just shows you the craziness of it. And I do think on a small scale, though, with maybe not so much the Big Ten, because I think there's just such a hierarchy. But with when we go through some of these other conferences, notably the Pac-12, the Pac-12, when it's just the Pac-12 versus the Pac-12, that's when that kind of 
oh shit um oh okay i could maybe see oregon state upending you know a, a usc one time just because hey they know they have to get it done this time so uh maybe uh, uh i i completely agree with the baseball part and even the uh, college football part of it i just think the big 10 is a it's a it's just such a top heavy conference uh with those it, three it, teams it, at the real, top real, it, but, uh, and pardon me doctor but you know in like real like you know for our listeners you know like in real basic terms like as the as the the schedule gets gets shorter the the victory covers or whatever they take on more weight they become heavier you know so uh or as, and as, as saying Oregon Oregon State could easily you know and that's why they shape you know the the, the uh, football shape so funny a lot of stuff can happen when you got you know um, 47 or guys or whatever getting on a bus uh, you know, it's it's much more feasible that Oregon State could win that particular conference, which I still call the Pac-10. But you know, again, I'm, but you know, they could win that. They, they they are they are Oregon State is a beneficiary of less games than whoever the favorite is in that conference. So I guess maybe USC or, or Washington or or whatever. Right, except for this year because USC had Alabama starting. Yeah. So the fact that Clay Helton gets to avoid Alabama, it's huge for him. And and, and Kelly outcoaches Clay Helton. <laughs> well, everybody else outcoaches Clay Helton, but add Kelly to the list. So again, Clay Helton survives again another year just having to play uh, Pac-12 schlubs. And uh, Stanford cut like most of their programs today. So yeah, Stanford, yeah. just going right. to be a hang over that program. So what's last, the last thing we're tackling tonight before we head to tomorrow? And last, uh, last but not least, we have uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. And you know, it's funny. I think a lot of these Big East, uh, Big Ten teams, they're pretty much. I mean, the same year in and year out. You know. <laughs> You know Iowa's going to have a good defense, and if they have a good offense, then they're going to be good. Um, you know Ohio State's going to have a ton of line. talent. Uh, right. Wisconsin's going to do one thing. They're going to snap the ball, and they're going to hand it to a running back who, who probably had a couple of touches last year, but he's going to rush for 2,000 yards this year. He's going to turn himself into a second-round pick, and uh, Wisconsin's going to probably work their way um, into the, the win the West, um, more than likely get a chance to beat Ohio State. And I'll tell you what, last year in that Big Ten championship game, I I, I know there, the first half of that game, I don't quite remember a, what the play the was, but there was there was a play or two. I think it was a penalty or something that just completely yeah. changed. The, I, mean, I was they at the Christmas 17. show with Anna, and we were listening to these junior college kids sing beautiful Christmas carols. And you were blowing up my phone on text because we were making so much money on this game. We we had made so we much money it, on the whole day. It was like a 14-point favorite, and it was like 24-7 at halftime. And like 10 <laughs> minutes before the game, I had just thrown, you know, $5 on the money line. Like, who like, – let's just see. And, and you know, and I'm I watching you not it. To, right? I oh, I know, 100%. 100, to, 100 you know, but it was the Christmas spirit. It was, yeah. it, was, it, was the, it was the time of year I was feeling jolly. 
And but we knew at halftime, when we knew at halftime, it's 24 to 7. Right. Technically 38 to 7. We knew we're covering that. Right. Um, For our purposes, it was 38 to 7. In our exactly. <laughs> and, but, but my point is with Wisconsin is when you see numbers, and believe me, they're probably only, I don't know if they have, so, okay, they don't have with. They don't remember, have, um, at, at that point in time, the reason that my phone was blowing up so much, listening to Christmas Carol, and I did, shame on me. I got up and I went to the bathroom and I, and I saw something it was going crazy. We had won every game that day with championships. We had that, like every over, had every side, and on the last game, we're up 30, 38 to 7 at halftime. And we, and we had picked the over, so we were already over at halftime. <laughs> but I think uh, what Wisconsin's going to do is they're going to have a lot of inflated lines, right. and they're not going to yeah. cover them because no. they're not going to be able to score. So when you, when, when you see, oh, Rutgers, they're 38-point favorite against Rutgers, and they're not going to be able to put up 38 points, let alone cover 38 points. So Wisconsin's right. a team that's going to win probably 10 – or, well, shoot, like, okay, uh, seven goes seven and two, eight and one. Um, right. But over against the spread, probably be four and five. Right. Big time. Because that's another way we make a lot of money is that people bet last year's team. People are going to bet that last year recency bias Ohio State game. They did it in the Rose Bowl, and we went the other way, and we got Oregon. We got Oregon in the under because we knew that last game had gone over, and Wisconsin had cover. So it was easy for us to return to the mean and make easy money on the Rose Bowl going the other way. Doing a Greg Wolf and not you guys analyzing <laughs> who was going to win and who was going to lose. We were analyzing the numbers, and we were analyzing the behavioral of the market because we knew what people if were going to do. If you guys want to talk about, you know, mean reversion, serial correlation, and distributions and everything like that, which is what I talk about when people want to listen to me, uh, I have a study. <laughs> I have a study, for, for, and we're talking about college football. So, in in, nine, in between 2005 and 2014, uh, of the 121 A teams that had that played full seasons, the win loss percent win loss percentage against the spread was every single one of them was between 39 percent and 61 uh, percent which is one-third of one standard deviation. I know I'm getting kind of crazy with this kind of stuff from the median, which is insanely tight, which means that, and that's over 10 years, which means that it is a very tight emotional market, especially point spread, where there's quick over-adjustments and then quick corrections, and then back to an over-adjustment, back to a correction. It's very... In, in the world of statistics, it's called uh, thin tails or narrow tails as opposed to fat tails because everything stays pretty tight. And then that's how you realize that, especially when you're talking about relationships, which is not just one side, but one side relative to the other side, that you have the probability of overreaction on both sides. But then that's where our data, the Wolfline data, come, come from. Data is a plural. I mean, that's a weird thing, but come from, and that's what would happen. And it's just, it's just the way things work, which is much more of a fair market than any than of course equities, stocks, whatever. You know, so that's 
just just to put that little anecdote in there. Right. And it's not that we're geniuses, but because it's an easier market to figure out, that's the reason we're able to, you know, Anna's been able to use $2,800 to buy gasoline off betting money because it's an easy market to figure out. Relatively easy. If you've been watching football for 60 years, like the doctor, uh, Wolfman played football and myself. I'm 41 years so a watch, not even watching the games, going to the practices, God, going to college God. basketball practices, training camp, experiential God. learning. <laughs> Josh, I used to love watching football. I used to love it. was great. I would love to, you know, the, the 1991 yeah, I mean, you know, it was great, but you know, it just isn't entertaining to me anymore because, in my opinion, they ruined the game. But I, but, but in the same point, by the same point, the, the I don't watch the financial markets anymore either because that's 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 distorted as well. So I've taken everything out of both that I need. I I just don't do it. You know, I just I just don't do it. I'd rather watch. You know, like uh, Cool Hand Luke or a Turner Classics movie or read a Tolstoy book or something like that. You know. 100%. Well, and I, you brought up a great point earlier. When we were talking about Nebraska in terms of, you know, with the triple option. And it's probably, it, it doesn't really, it's not conducive to run the triple option because all you got to do is throw these, you know, uh, these, these go routes and under throwing by five yards, you're going to get the 15 yard penalty. Or if you're the NFL, you're getting a spot foul. And the, so, so it's probably more conducive to throw it deep as opposed to the triple option um, when the defenses, it, the, you know, could have played defense in the 90s. Well, that, that, I, I just follow the money, that, right? People, that, people want that, the, that, the Big 12 that, turns that, basketball on grass conference because yeah. that got donors to donate more money and people showing up. More, more alumni showing up to the game. So it's all a money grab. And it started yeah, with the NFL. And, 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 the and I'll, respond, I'll respond to the doctor on that too with this point, which is a great point. And it's even more insane in NFL where it's a spot foul as opposed to 15. And they try and cover themselves by, oh, well, we'll, we'll call that a legal contact. And then the five, it's just, it, it seems right, like right. they're making it like, they're trying to put the fire out by dousing it in gasoline. Like you guys realize that that it, it, it might be a liquid, but that's not putting it out. Right. And I even wrote an article which I could post with, for you guys about. And I it was it was ten we years love ago it. I wrote. I ten years ago I wrote this article that I said, "What's going to happen to NFL totals when you know with these new rule implementations and." I said, here's a hint, they're going to be moved up, you know, because, and they were, and they, uh, of course they were, the, the median totals now are much higher than they used to. Um, well, actually not, there's still 45, it moved out a tick, it moved from 45 to 46. Since when? Uh, since, since 2008? Or 2008? Uh, the number I use is, uh, is since NFL started. It's, oh. it's 45. 45, and I'll look up what it was last year, but it's still like 45, and that's I the even, big and, we used last uh, year to go 63.5%. But I think, you know this article that I wrote uh, about the Chiefs game, the Chiefs uh, Monday night game that was, um, that was 63 and a half, 
the actual the uh, the, right. the name of the article was uh, uh, points. In, in recognition of the sixty three and a half point total in Chiefs Rams this week. You know, and before that, the the highest I had ever seen was sixty many years before with uh, Peyton Manning with the the, the uh, Colts. But there was a six. It was a sixty-three and a half point total in the NFL. I mean, that's just insane. Right, and, and I think um, I was actually thinking about that. Right, uh, I probably should have been listening to a client. I was in the middle of a meeting, but my mind wandered that I think the league's going to change a lot once Belichick is out because Belichick has a lot of influence over the referees from being. I mean, how can a coach be on the committee? that uh, hires and fires refs, right? But Belichick is on that committee. A guy by the name of Belichick is on the committee that hires and fires referees, right? The, the competition committee, right? Well, that, again, and, and, and he keeps these okay. games under because he, uh, his, his, his defensive backs are allowed to commit. <laughs> and witnesses would be every single Pittsburgh Steeler fan, every Buffalo Bill fan out there. The, the the New England Patriots are allowed to commit pass interference when they play defense. They're allowed to tackle the wide receivers when they go out, right? The whole Marvin Henderson game. So Belichick by himself is keeping these games way under when he beats Buffalo and hides the offense. Well, what, to has to be, what has to be understood is that it is the Securities and Exchange Commission will intervene because a referee has to be an insider. They have to be, you know, and many others have to. They have to. Uh, make totally transparent what their uh, agenda is uh, and how they're associated with the game. And the, the most recent and most egregious example was the the no pass interference call in that Saints Rams uh, NFC Championship game. Yeah, but, but the, the great thing about that is that we predicted that and monetized it before it happened. We. I mean, New Orleans is the number 65 market going against the number two market in the country that's building a $5 billion stadium. There was 100% no way that call could have gone any other way than, than, than what it did. And not only did it go that way, we went on the number one talk show in San Diego and said that was going to happen. <laughs> did it happen before, I, before it happened? Because we've been watching football for so long. And we and you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, one regulation I would do right now is that NFL referees cannot have more than fifty thousand dollar credit at any casino. The one referee who owes a half a million dollars, and you're not going to tell me that he's not vulnerable to manipulation. The Tim Donahue book. We had an intern coming in, and they're like, "Well, what book can I read that's going to tell me the most what I need to know about sports to help you guys on the podcast?" And I said, "Read, read the Tim Donahue book." the referee who was busted by the FBI for uh, manipulating games and his best friend, Scott Foster, who commuted to with him 200 times a day. If I communicated with some first before you, you seen my wife, if I communicated with somebody 200 times a day, what would I have to do? Come on. And Scott uh, Foster, you, we'll see him at you the wouldn't, You wouldn't get to 80. You'd, you'd be dead by 80. <laughs> and Scott You're Foster so will be at the bubble when the NBA starts. You should have told me that her best uh, her best resource would just be my Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing you haven't watched games for, for for a while. But and this will be the last 
my last thought um, before I we'll, we'll have closing thoughts, night. and then we'll hit him with Winston Churchill. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm glad. I'm so glad you brought up the 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 no call, and that is the way I look at pass interference now because we have situations, and I don't care about challenging pass interference. I think it's stupid. I think if if Why? that's called on the field or it's not called on the field move on like it, we're we're getting into a dangerous area everything what when when do we see challenge flags for holding i mean literally every single play we're going to see that so but right. with that it just magnified how ridiculous the pass interference thing is where you see certain calls and we've seen it both defensively and Honestly, more so offensively. But what they've tried to call for offensive pass interference lately has been rather crazy. And that one play changed so much because obviously we get the challenge from it. But no, I don't care where you are. 1972, 1970, that is pass interference. It, it, they, you don't need to change the rule for that to be pass interference from the inception of pass interference. And it right. wasn't called. Whether or not it was the fix was in or not. But the, the fact of the well, matter well, that's this is the penalty. crazy part, right? This is the crazy part. Uh, Wolfram, I can say fiduciary responsibility. I can guarantee you that if this error goes to court, the NFL will argue that the referee has a fiduciary responsibility to rig the game because the result of rigging the game uh, is more revenue for the league. And literally, there really isn't a rule in the NFL, right? that penalizes uh, a referee for intentionally manipulating the game for financial gain for the league. It's nowhere in the world. Gosh, gosh, gosh. The, 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 the real story is so much deeper than that. The NFL and all the other leagues are directly related to the issuance of these securities, which are investment contracts, which are the bets. They are directly related to that. So they cannot have any by via the 1988 Securities Integrity and Insider Trading Enforcement Act of 1988, they cannot have anything to do with bookmakers or broker dealers or anything like that, which they are doing that. So yeah, they have Denver Broncos just signed with FanDuel. They can't do that. They can't do that. I keep saying they are though, and there's, and there's money being exchanged, even though it's not. Uh, it's not rational, as you would say. The money's being changed, and people well, are enjoying that money as we speak. I'll, I'll tell you the this, Detroit I'll, Tigers I'll, just signed with a bookmaker as well. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: that's that. A, it's it, it's just patently illegal, and <laughs> I know securities law. And if you want to end with a uh, Churchill quote, which I always like because yeah. Churchill was a great, uh, I will tell you this: as far as this particular issue goes. The arc of history always bends towards truth, but, and you know, that's a very, that's a, a very, uh, uh, that's an aphorism has been said for many years. My addition to that is, but the caveat is that you have to live long enough <laughs> for your, <laughs> for, for people to understand that you're telling the truth, you know, so. Right, right. And, and the way we explain the way uh, Denver Broncos can have an illegal contract with a bookmaker and Detroit can have an illegal contract with a bookmaker is selective prosecution. They can, the man can prosecute who he wants. 
And as long as the tax money is coming in, as long as dollars are coming in, as long as it makes dollars, it makes sense. And it makes the out. Who makes the rule? The golden Josh. rule. Who has Josh. the gold makes the rule. Josh, Josh, yeah. I, agree. I agree with that golden rule thing. I, I think that's a very, you know, it's a very interesting uh, quote and all that. But it's practical. It's what we see here in every single uh, state council throughout the United States. I think it's a clever quote. I always agree with it. But you know, uh, if you if you look at it, so, so just to, to make it a total correlation, could Apple, the which is a, a publicly listed company, could Apple have uh, an agreement with? Goldman Sachs, who makes markets as either a principal or an agent on Apple stock, and Apple tell Goldman Sachs things that the public doesn't know about Apple stock, about their earnings to coming up. Can they, could they, can they do that? They cannot do that. Right. When we get into That's selective it. clarification, you and I and the doctor would all be locked up in five seconds. Uh, if you're Jeffrey Epstein, no. You wouldn't be locked. If you're Roger Stone, you'll get your uh, your your sentence commuted, right? Or if you're a rich, that guy, uh, whatever, uh, Seth Rich, uh, the guy yeah, who was uh, commuted by uh, Clinton, who committed a lot of crimes and he hijacked it to uh, France because he has stole so much money, and then Clinton leaves him off the hook. So that's that's where selective prosecution and it's not what you know who you know comes into play well i know you know you know what i know but it all boils down to referees being able to manipulate the game for uh the shield as uh goodell would say don't kill they're, the goose they're, they're, the golden they're, they're, they are insiders and they have to be uh totally transparent about whatever well, they work for the league they get the they get their paychecks from the league Okay, well then, all of that then has to be all those bank accounts have to be reached just like the SEC does for anybody else, just like for Martha Stewart or whatever. They have to look at the bank accounts, they have to look at the phone records, they have to look at all that stuff. If you're if you're an insider with a any type of position that has anything to do with how a multi-trillion-dollar uh, marketplace plays out with results. All I know. Yeah, ref, ref should be a whole, a whole company. It's a company of refs that's completely unattached and has nothing to do with the NFL or college basketball or the NBA. They can't. They, they, they can't. The same thing as, as Portnoy is doing things with Penn Nat. You can't, you can't be a part of media and pump uh, a particular stock or anything like that and – and also be colluded or an insider with N Gaming, who is the execution side of a particular and VSIN and Action Network and all those clowns are doing the same exact thing. Much further I go. I mean, they're just well, and that's why we're the podcast of record, and that's why this is the best betting and gambling podcast. Of all times, for that all time. exact reason. All, time. all times, I defer. I defer to the doctor to to send us out. Yeah, you want to give us Winston Churchill, doctor? Uh, do you, oh, wow, you sure? 
it's yeah, it's weird. Right. I'm gonna have to get used to being called the doctor. It's uh, it's the first time I've ever been called the doctor. Um, so yeah, I'm getting used to it. I like it. Um, definitely saves some money. I'm sure there's plenty of other people who paid a lot more money to be be called the doctor, but I will take it. Uh, well, you know, as this podcast, this quote really fills up our podcast um, because we we can do this on this zoom meeting without hitting record, we can do this without including you all and we can just count our money. But you know, as Winston Churchill says, you make a life or I'm sorry, you make a living by what you do, but you make a life with what you share. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Remember tomorrow, uh, Del Mar day number two, I will be live streaming um, from, I believe first post is at two o'clock. So I'll hop on about 1:45 and uh, try and go pretty much all day. Um, and uh, make some money. We uh, we're in the positive You're welcome today. To join, we'll Wolfline. that over. Yes, definitely, Wolfline. So have a great night, everybody, and we'll talk to you all soon. You got it.